Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Winter is Blooming, a Game of Thrones rewatch podcast by us, the Penny Bloom Podcast. It is I, Colton Robertson, and today I am joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Uh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here, and today is a glorious day. Oh, it's uh, it's it, the, the highest of pleasures in a Game of Thrones rewatch. We are talking Season 4, Episode 2, titled The Lion and the Rose, written by George R. R. Martin himself, directed by Alex Graves. And for the layman, the ones who didn't remember what happened in this but have watched the show before, uh, Bing bong, the king is dead. You know, we're wow. we're going up. You know, if if they were going to give us a red wedding, they better have given us something like this. You know, they 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 knew they had to sh- just strike us down, get us all down low. But they they knew this moment was coming. You know, they knew everyone would and very much. Kansas Cityan directing Joffrey's death. Alex yeah. Graves. Let's go. That's awesome. Um, but no, this this is ah. A moment of of joy, a moment of bliss, and I knew it was coming. But man, I don't know. No, even that's the thing on this rewatch. That I think is the most surprising is that even knowing a lot of the things that are coming, just seeing how well they're executed and how well they're done is the most impressive part. Now. Yeah, you know, this is the first time I'm rewatching it in a new light where we have discussed, you know, just tons of movies and tons of TV and all mm-hmm. this stuff, and we've gotten more analytical and a little bit more... Uh, we've refined our taste. I don't want to say we're critics by any means because mm-hmm. we're we're quite nice to most stuff we talk about unless it is absolutely horrendous. Um, But yeah, just... The way that last scene unfolds, it's like the last 20 minutes of the episode, the wedding. Mm, yeah, it's a long... The it's... way that just builds and builds and builds and builds. And the first time you watch it, you don't even really realize it's building, but you are just kind of like, man, this is just kind of, we're just kind of living in this for a second. Mm-hmm. Everything's just kind of happening. What You know, we just had the Red Wedding a couple episodes ago. You're fresh off of that. You're like... Okay, it's a wedding. What's going on here? And they just kind of they just kind of let it breathe for a while, and it is so effectively done, dude. Oh, it yeah. is so well of, done. A lot of lines that are thrown in there that are like, you know, Tyrion. I think at one point is like, "Well, we'll have to pay back the king some other way." You know, they they yeah. throw in just little lines and then little moments where he eats the pie and he coughs, and you think like, "Oh, like maybe he's about," you know, like you know, I know he's well, about to be like, "No, it's," I don't know, it's. It, and it's it doesn't even register with you at first, you know. He he like coughs, and you're like, okay. Then he keeps mm. coughing, and as the char- the other mm. characters realize what's happening, you start to realize what's happening, and you're like, I remember the first time I watched it, just 
throwing my arms up in yeah. victory and being and, like, oh my fucking god, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, go down. Die. Many things, uh, like a, a superpower that I wish I could have, That a, a, a question that everyone always asks, you know, if you could pick any superpower, what would you, you choose? I would love to be able to experience things for the first time again. Not much of a superpower, very selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, but just so I could experience, like, Interstellar, Star Wars, everything again for the first time, but still not forget all of the the love I have for it. Right. This is this is a, a very, a very small example, but a very I would love to experience this one for the first time again to yeah, but not know it's coming at all, and just all the hatred that you have for Joffrey because I mean they they really build him up even more this episode. All that hatred and oh, make yeah. you hate him, and they and they give you a little they they give you a little fake out like uh you know the war is over maybe it's time we all have some time for wisdom. And you were like, thank you. Oh. Oh, look at that. An, a that's, that's strange, nice odd behavior from the kid, but... Swing! Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then whatever. Let me just chop the book up into a bunch of pieces after... Yeah, man. But we do have a few locations today. Only four. Only four locations. Mm. Um, And we're going to work through them. We're going to start in Dragonstone, head to the Dreadfort, go beyond the wall, and then check in at King's Landing, where it all happens. So. We'll start on the beach of Dragonstone, where Melisandre presides over a public burning ceremony. Eesh. Setting three people chained to stakes ablaze as an offering to the Lord of Light. When they go up in flames, she smiles. She loves what's happening. And so do the followers. Uh, one of the, one of the condemned is Queen Selyse Baratheon's own brother, Axel Florent, executed for his lack of faith in the Lord of Light. And uh, watching the proceedings, Sir Davos Seaworth is, uh, he's, he's appalled, but he can't say anything lest he be burned at the stake along with them. Uh, Man. And then having, what's Stannis' wife's name? Selyse. Yeah, Selyse. Like, having Selyse just be, like, so... Did you see it? Yeah. Like, she, it, whether it's it's just she's so, like, in denial at the moment, or she's just fully in belief. You know, no, she's uh, she is extremely yeah. devout. Um, and it's you just... know, uh, th- uh, an important scene prior to this to show that it's not just it's not just like a mm-hmm. coping mechanism. Essentially, is whenever he, she basically told her husband, like, "Yeah, it's okay that you fucked the Red Priestess." Mm-hmm. That's yeah, like, dope. I think the gods. Yeah, the gods wanted that, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, it could it could be all a coping me- yeah. mechanism yeah. you know like it, the whole thing which i mean it probably somewhat it, is yeah you um, know she's she's given birth to a lot of stillborn children and been through she's it. kept in a dungeon most of the time yeah, uh, yeah. She's, she's been through it but right now yeah that was it was it was really rough just being like oh my like or her brother like calling out and being like i'm your brother like what are you doing like this is and crazy is and all like, smiles man she's like sorry man this is what the lord of light wanted um yeah that's a, kind of nope. a, a detail i didn't really notice before but i like melisandre seemed to kind of light him up all at the same time you know like they were burning but then she she like said her her little thing and then yeah. engulfed them all which i don't know i guess for followers that'd be like okay well there's something going on here you know and and you know she does claim oh i saw their souls all rise up did you see mm. it did you see the lord of light take their souls? Davos is like yes 
my great, your grace. I, I did. It was quite the sight. Uh, but enjoy, enjoy. Uh, yeah, you have, just, have you a good rest. Have a good rest of your evening. I don't yeah, know like, if I'm going yeah, to. What, what do I do now? You know, yeah, that like, <laughs> just happened. But okay, like it. And what was the? Is, is this just um, furthering the story of Gendry? Like, so they couldn't get Gendry because Davos let him go. Was this just like an equal trade or something? They, or like they, they, they are. I think they are trying to make up the difference. You know, because like I. I think there's also an implication that these aren't the first three they've done that to recently. Um, mm. It seemed like everybody knew what was going on. Uh, didn't seem like anyone was too surprised by the happenings. Uh, it, it just it just seemed like this is par for the course. And in in the loss of King's blood, they have to take from their own royal family essentially you know the mm-hmm. brother of the queen yeah it's not yeah. king's blood but it's something you know let's see let's throw it out there let's see um i guess it could have just been they were speaking against the lord of light or something yeah. like that too it could and that's heard. likely all it was um that you know melisandre might have covered it up like uh, oh well, it will be it will be a good sacrifice for the lord you know like uh, but mm-hmm. regardless it's probably not good in any way to be burning people alive um but uh next up afterwards we see stannis and Selyse eat dinner with melisandre as a guest at their table and they uh they argue briefly over their daughter princess shireen mm. uh, Selyse believes the girl's disfigurement is a punishment from the lord of light but stannis angrily forbids his wife from trying to physically chastise their daughter for her perceived faults amen Stannis has his flaws. He's a, he is a genuinely not good guy. I yeah. appreciate how he rides for his daughter, though. Yeah. You know, like uh, even you know he come like he knows he did something bad. He slept with Melisandre. He comes back and he, he lets you know drops the news. But then he's like, I want to see my daughter still. Mm-hmm. Like that's I don't know. Like he might he, not always treat her the best, as she is kept in a dungeon yeah. in the bottom of the castle. Yeah. Um, but he cares about her, and this it like in his own fucked up way is how he shows he cares about her. Um, you know, like for example, take Tywin, who has resented his child deeply ever since being born with a disfigurement mm-hmm. in his eyes. You know, it's not a disfigurement to to be a dwarf, but nevertheless, that's how Tywin sees it, and he's like, "Well, you're a disgrace to the name, but you're my son, so fuck it, I guess." Um, mm-hmm. all the while, you know, Stannis clearly still loves his daughter, um, which is more than I can say for Tywin and Tyrion. Yeah, um, that's for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anywho, Selyse switches tactics, tactics and suggests that Melisandre speak to Shireen. And Stannis, Stannis, you know, he doesn't protest, but Melisandre doesn't look particularly into the idea she's like oh i'm not your fucking babysitter i am your high priestess so that'd be a little bit beneath me methinks uh but nevertheless she does go and speak with shireen anyway who heard the death of her uncle from her bedroom window very good lovely like very shireen is is uh very how she speaks her mind you Mm -hmm. know she was um just right when she was coming in, like she wasn't letting Melisandre have an inch of space, really. You know, she was no. like, uh, not not liking it. And 
I don't know, not not enough to to get the character nod for the episode, but she was close. Just how like how just protest and how um, just speaking to Melisandre, matter of fact, because I feel like other people would say these things and just get burned at the stake, like straight. I mean, oh yeah, I guess yeah, you know, and uh, well, Melisandre all the while is like one day maybe, yeah, one day I maybe. Think- um, and it does happen. It does yeah. happen, but uh, yeah, no, Melisandre. Yeah, the I love Shireen, and you can tell she kind of takes an influence from Davos more than anyone mm-hmm. else. You know, um, which kind of uh, it makes her all the more likable. You know, that one of the most likable characters in the show is the only one she has regular contact with. Um, but. Uh, Melisandre insists and informs in a very matter-of-fact way that uh, the Faith of the Seven and its holy books, everything you've known your whole life, it's a fucking lie. Don't believe any of that. Uh, there are only two gods, the Lord of the Light and the Great Other, constantly at war. When Shireen asks if there is any truth to the Faith's beliefs in seven heavens and seven hells, Melisandre replies... There is only one hell, the one we live in now. It was interesting. Like, this was the, I don't know if it was the first time maybe I just noticed it, but I've only heard Melisandre, like, just talk about the Lord of Light, and we praise the Lord of Light, everything. And maybe Mm. the great other is just kind of the anti. I think it's the antichrist sort of deal for her. Um, Which is, I think it's probably whatever gives the White Walkers their magical capabilities. Uh, yeah, um, I guess the inverse, sense. you know, yeah, the, the fire ice. versus ice, the kind mm-hmm. of cold, dead, without life, yeah, great other. Um, yeah, I know that was very. I don't know the the line though that she like they were they were both kind of clapping back and forth a little bit, you know, like both Shireen more more so like just picking holes in their current situation, but. Melisandre, like her line of like, yeah, no, there's only one hell. It's it's what we live in now. It was was a pretty you're like, yeah, uh, this shit would suck. It would but, suck living there. Yeah, and she's she's right about that. You know, this this is I don't know. I'm 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 glad that the problems that we have to deal with today are not like getting quite the same as this stabbed through me or getting burned at the stake. Or, you know, it's, there are real problems still today, but, but. Oh, yeah. And, and several of which reflect the problems of this in a more modern context that isn't so fucking gruesome. I guess. Um, but, you know, people get jailed for their, for their religious beliefs in different parts of the world. You know, there, there's, there are, uh, systematic genocides occurring presently. Um, so it's like, yeah, there's there's some shitty stuff going on out there. Uh but luckily religious persecution is not at the level it is in other parts of the world. Mm. Or even, you know, nobody's getting burned at the stake right now. Not That's as far as I know. Yeah, I hope not. You know, yeah. I, I really hope, I'm saying that like, yeah, no, these problems are all gone, but who knows. Yeah, we, you know, you're like, but that that shows you how how much faith you have at present. Yeah. You know? Like, you're like that little <laughs> hesitation of like well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's maybe. enough to make you go, well, shit, doesn't that kind of suck? Um, but uh, nevertheless, we, we then head to the Dreadfort mm. after Dragonstone. Where in the forest surrounding the fort, the seat of House Bolton, Ramsay Snow hunts a woman for sport, uh, accompanied by Reek, 
and Miranda, along with a pack of savage dogs. Uh, and the girl, you know, screaming in terror, running for her life. Ramsey and Miranda taunt her all the same, like, oh, you better go. You better get out of the woods or else you're going to fucking. <laughs> They're fucking like this is this is the show's Joker, Ramsey, mm. you know? Um, yeah, that's true. Just one Joker and Joker and Harley Quinn here and Miranda and Ramsey. Uh, Gosh, I mean, they they really do play him well. Like he. I fucking love the performance of, of Ramsey, dude. Yeah. Like, he is good. To get there, you know, to, like, he is experiencing, like, pure joy. Like, and it it seems that way. After, like, all of these moments, like, even, like, little, like, the camera just stays on him for a little longer after something just fucked up is happening. You know, it'll show, like, Reek, and then how how he's, like, oh, my God, look at what's happening to him, and then you cut to Ramsey. And then you watch him, his, like, yeah, smile just, curl like, up on the corners right, yeah. and you're like my god he really is the joker of game of thrones because yeah that smile he does have a a smile to him um i wonder no, yeah and like what the he uh you, you're, you're speaking to the like how do you how do you reach that place and what's interesting is that you know he's had to do some fucked up stuff um but there are other people in the show who've had to do every bit as fucked up stuff and I, I'd argue the extreme at which he he performs it, he goes really over the top with it. You know, like he is in a good way. It's not a bad way. But like he gets to be this macabre sort of just flamboyant villain, which you don't have any others that kind of equate to him in this show. So it's kind of like Joffrey, he, like we've always compared them as the two most petulant evil little fucks mm-hmm. in the in the realm. But Joffrey, we've already discussed how he's he's a little bit different version of evil, whereas Ramsey is this more calculated, matured evil compared to Joffrey. You know, he he does he does have thoughts of what he is going to do. He plans it out. He's methodical with it. He doesn't just go, ah, you know what? I'm gonna pour a cup of wine on my friend's Joffrey's head. Is, is almost like because he has the power to. And he mm-hmm. likes that, you know? It's like, maybe he really wouldn't be doing this if he wasn't the king. You know, it'd be really interesting to just see if he was just he not. He probably wouldn't be a normal kid, but yeah, he... uh a little troubled, but but I don't know. I think it's just because he's enabled to a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and no one will ever be like, yeah, what you're doing here is wrong. And, um, they, and they make the point here to show that Ramsey doesn't have the seed of power to do the things he does mm-hmm. he just does them but he yeah. gets away with it because he's like hey man my methods work you yeah. know uh a, a very like short scene or i guess not short but like i was much more in the headspace of like oh i'm getting to joffrey's death eventually here so mm-hmm. i'm i'm just getting there but there's a lot of there was a lot of good scenes prior to that though. here like the the conversation they have was really well done like yeah whenever, like, going back and forth and seeing ramsey like see the disappointment in his i guess fa- i don't know father he wants yeah, it's his father yeah i guess yeah truly his father but uh Seeing like the disappointment and like you know he he thought that this would be like a big victory whenever his mm-hmm. dad came back. and he's like okay okay I'll show you I'll show you how it's a big victory that shit was hard but yeah. uh, I I also enjoyed like we only figured out Ramsey was related to Roos 
in the finale of season three. That's right. Oh, so man. off just like word of like a someone spoke it right. It was yeah. Even, uh, it was literally Roos who says like, but my son Ramsey, mm-hmm. he has his own way of dealing that's with things, right. and it yeah. was like a slow fade up to him, and you're like, oh shit, oh yeah, okay, because I could I could not for the life of me remember how that was revealed, and it was yeah. very subtle. It was very well done, but I I, I couldn't remember it. But uh, so this is the first time we see him in his element. You know, we've we've talked about. Bolton's being extremely fucked up, you know, uh, the the way they treat people, the way that they take joy in the suffering of others, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever Locke arrives with Roos and uh, they like they like go arm in arm and he's like, I heard you took the Kingslayer's hand and he's like, oh, yes, I did. How he screamed, you know, you would have loved it like mm-hmm. That uh, these are his people, you know, this is this is where he belongs. He thrives here because every not everyone's quite as fucked up as he is, but they uh, they're not they not kind of, fucked up. It's what they're all kind of known for. And it's, yeah. it's what they get into. It's like, you know, the Iron Islands, they're known for just doing Flayed man is on their banners, you yeah. know, but here it's we'll, we'll torture the fuck out of you, you know, and, and we'll enjoy it. Um, yeah. any, any pain that we can bring in any way, emotional or physical, um, they're all about it. And mm. we also met, uh, Walda, Walda Bolton. That's right. Um, yeah. That, that was a, a very, I think important moment though, to have Ramsey be so accepting, you know, and just be like, you know, like mother, like, and, and seeing the smile on, on her face as well, yeah. you know, like. She doesn't get that anywhere else. But, of course, it's coming from the most fucked up person in the realm almost. Yeah, so you know it's coming with a, like, uh, he doesn't, he's playing it somehow, you know? You don't know how, but you know that he's not nice, you know? (laughs) At least, uh, my, my, was for Walda, you know? Like, I, cause I, 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 I don't know her backstory whatsoever, but I can just, I bet she doesn't have the greatest time, you know, around. No, not with Roos. I can't imagine. Um, but at least, I don't know, just seeing just a, a smile, even though it's it's not real coming from Ramsey whatsoever. Um, or who knows? Maybe it is. <laughs> I don't know. You know, maybe it, it re- like, I, I don't know. Like, do you recall uh, the reasoning that uh, this is Roos's wife? No. I don't. Um, the, it was it was said a couple episodes ago. I think it was at uh, the red wedding or before it or after it or something. Before it, almost certainly. Um, he's married to Walda, a fray, um, and mm-hmm. he was offered uh, her weight in silver. Oh, that's right. He chose. Oh my he god. Chose, he chose the largest bride he could. Um. Which oh, is, that uh, makes this so. Oh my gosh! Now, oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's just all the more like, ah oh, man. Oh. Ah oh, man, why do we have to keep doing this to Walda? Just, Walda's a sweetheart, man. She doesn't deserve any of this. Just suck. Yeah. This. This is a, a house that I could just see being wiped completely from the face of the earth and being just okay with. And um, it will. Yeah, we'll get um, there. Um, yeah, yeah, but. uh Nevertheless, Theon is brought to uh, Roos's chambers, where Roos is disgusted and angered to learn Ramsay has tortured and flayed Theon. And I like that they use the they use flayed this way mm. because he's not literally flayed. Like 
Like the idea it? that they regularly or used to anyway break people down and turn them into this. You've tortured and flayed him. Like they flayed him of his identity, not his skin. You know, like that's Ah, uh, okay. I see now. Cuz that's what I was I was taking it I guess very literally. Um whenever because on their banner, you know, it is just someone without skin. I'm like, like, are they referring to the usual skinning of people or like just the actual breakdown of yeah. the identity? I, I, that, well, that in makes... this context, I think it had to have been a yeah. metaphorical sense. No, like I maybe don't... it's just like skinning someone. That's a lot of work. And, and they probably, I mean, probably just die. And that well, that's the thing is that if, if Reek didn't have the bargaining importance, probably would have just done that you know probably would have just actually flayed him um because they do that later on in the show they actually do skin people alive and you see them hung up outside of winterfell in an in an x um this is true i my my head just went to a, a theory for a second like maybe the house bolton they skinned people and they gave all of their the skin and wraps to the Somehow over an Essos to um, the <laughs> faceless men or whatever. Oh, that, right, that right. You know, I, don't, I don't know. The don't Boltons know. have an arrangement yeah. with Jock and Hagar. Yeah, uh, but no. That's no, funny. I, I think it's just they're fucked up. They're just fucked up. That, no, they probably just throw it away. Doing. They're like, take it yeah. to the take it to the garbage. Nothing, Nothing at all. It's just, uh, yeah. That God. No, I just, the more I think about it, the, like I, I haven't actually thought about them doing that. No, it was just more of like the emotional breakdown of just Theon. But now just knowing that anyone this that This wasn't a new thing they do, you know? Uh, but uh, yeah, he he's disappointed as he's Balon's sole surviving male heir and he was a valuable hostage prior to this. And Roos notes that while he was he's been named Warden of the North, Tywin Lannister will not help him reclaim the North from the Ironborn. Uh, he only has that title and name. He has to make it a reality. And he had intended on trading Theon for Moat Kalen, a strategically placed fortress on the border between the North and the Riverlands, currently held by the Ironborn. It's, uh, and it prevents the main Bolton army from returning North. And Ramsey retorts that he already sent terms to Balon and he refused. And Roos is like, excuse me. You did what now? Um, uh, and he's like, you made me acting Lord of the Dreadfort. I acted. I think, you know, Roos was kind of, he didn't like this, but he kind of was a little proud. He respected of, it a little bit. Yeah, it was like a, a moment of respect between them. That mm -hmm. was like, you know, I he does say, you know, like I, I put way too much trust into you and, and whatever. Like I, I should should have saw this coming, whatever. But but there was kind of a moment there where he was like, you know, I, I probably would have done the same thing. You know, like yeah. you have to you have to get your rise from somewhere. You know, you can't just follow all the time. You gotta you gotta do your own thing eventually. And I can't believe I'm like rooting for like Ramsey here a little bit, you know, being like, yeah, no, yeah, he's he's making his stand, you know, he's he's doing something that, you know, making his own decisions, but at the end of the day, like it's just crazy that he is such, like, a big, like, he just carries on for so much longer um, in the show. Like, I mean, like, the Battle of the Bastards, like, that's, 
just such a long ways away. Like yeah, it's, it's the end of season six. So much time in between here and now. Like I just I felt like it it, it should have come just sooner. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. like I just I I don't remember like all the story with Ramsey. I guess like I I remember Reek, and that's about it. Yeah, but there's then, a long like, way there. There's there's yeah. a long way down, but uh, no, it is fascinating to think that. Uh, He's actually in the show longer than Joffrey was. Yeah, the bastards. You know the the bastards just somehow that they, they have a a thing. George R. R. Martin likes likes the <laughs> bastard characters, and I think I don't know. It's it's very even though he's so fucked up, you still have this sort of like underdog story with him. You know, it's like you don't you, want it. You associate the underdog with every bastard in the realm, yeah. especially if it's uh, in the northern parts of Westeros, not uh, not Dorne, as we learn later on. But uh, oh yeah, um, but, but yeah, no, it's it, uh, it, it, for him a little bit, you know. Yeah, but, you know, you want him to, you you know. Well, that's the thing is that he also hasn't done anything to affect someone you actually like yet. Mm. Okay. You know. He's Fair. broke Theon down, and Theon is very regretful of his his choices. And you do feel bad for Theon, and this is beyond anything anyone deserves. You know, Ramsay is a piece of shit asshole fuck. You know, mm. but he hasn't done anything to directly affect anyone you actually like yet. So you you kind of you kind of just like hold off on being like you, at this moment you sure as shit like him more than you like Joffrey. You know, and I would argue there comes a point later on in the show where he, you know, he's every bit as terrible and awful to the people you like as Joffrey is. Um, yeah. 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 And I guess it's probably also Roos, like, is he was the one who did stab Rob right in the heart, you know, mm-hmm. and like, you do hate him. He did something to a character that we did really, really love. So it's very easy to hate Roos and then be like, yeah, no, Ramsey, you do whatever to get your father, you know, him. I don't know. You, I, I, right. All I care about is Roos losing now. You know? Right, yeah. And if that means Ramsey becomes, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a con- like when it comes to this fan- fantasy realm, you start <laughs> contemplating the more fucked up characters because what if they're, you know, it, it, you know, I don't need them to win. I just need Kylo Ren to lose. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's that's yeah. what I was thinking of, and I I, for, I didn't know where it was from. I'm like, I I know there's a line somewhere, and it, yeah, it's General Hux. That's what it was. I don't need the resistance to win. <laughs> I just need Kylo Ren to lose. Yeah, it's a great line delivery. Um, if not a total deviation from the character's path prior. True. Um, but nevertheless, uh, yeah, they they've got a plan, and they're gonna try to execute it but he's still very disappointed in reek's state uh Roos. and uh ramsey has to come up with something on the fly and he tells reek how could you let me stand before my father unshaven it is disrespectful and it was funny that i i, I didn't really remember this scene until it started happening because like as soon as he popped up with like the the facial scruff here uh Oh, what's his name? Ewan, Ewan Rion. Yeah. Uh, facial hair can do a lot for a man. Mm. 
You mean uh, he? he I, I thought he was a good-looking man at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, he I popped up, and I was like, "Oh, this this man's kind of fucking cute." And then he got shaved, and I was like, "Ah, oh, okay." Um, it went back to his. All right, now I now I really don't like you know. Yeah, you're, yeah now, now you're now you're completely hateable again. I don't. I don't. <laughs> at least yeah, you were hot before. You're not anymore. Beard oh. Ramsey. Yeah, and I don't know. Mate, we won't hate beard. you. As but yeah, yeah it, beard beard Ramsey is, is is a different beast than a uh, clean shaven Ramsey. But yeah, and and then as soon as it started, I was like, oh yeah, this is such a good scene, man. Uh, Ramsey, you know, cajoles him into admitting that Bran and Rickon Stark are still alive. To Roos's shock, you know, mm. nobody knew this yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ramsey reminds his father that the boys are now the heirs to House Stark, and the North will flock to him if they know he's alive. You know, they're they're all furious at us mm-hmm. and at House Frey for what we did, you know, and rightfully so. But we did that shit, you know, so I'm cool Bruce, with it. Bruce was a little uh, this was the kind of most obvious proud moment. I think mm-hmm. here. he was like, OK, was like, oh, you did get something very valuable. Yes. Yes. Out of beyond. Um, and and- uh, yeah, he, he Ramsey knows how close Theon was to Rob and he informs him. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot to tell you. Rob Stark is dead. As the razor is right there on yeah, his right neck. at his neck. Like insane. The, in the way Ramsey's like, I'm not a true Bolton, right? Father? Yeah. Shouldn't matter. And his dad is like, Yeah, uh-huh. alright, whatever, fuck it. Um you just have it was Roos and what's the the other just long hair the guy who cut off Jamie's hand? Um, yeah, Locke. Locke, yeah, that's right. They're just like watching like Holy fuck. They're like, okay. Like, <laughs> he broke got, this yeah, man down. This uh, guy's got something to him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, this was, it was hard to not go with Alfie Allen performance wise here. This was really, really fucking good. And the entire time he's reek is really, really fucking good. You know, like, uh, they're just kind of like, spastic kind of like programming almost like he wants so badly to slit this man's throat and be done with it mm-hmm. he is so horrified of what would happen if that happens that he he can't bring himself to do it and even just like the <clears throat> whenever they're out in the woods chasing mm. that girl, like just his facial acting you know he's running along with them and, and then he like when they get there and Ramsey six, the dogs on her, like he's just watching like in, in you know, like, I don't know. You're, you're right. Alfie Allen does. He does. He's fucking really good, good, man. He, he doesn't get nearly enough credit because he's just reek for so many seasons here. He doesn't have a lot of range. He has yeah. one mode and it's, it's reek. You know, he's just, he's just like that. Um, but that in and of itself, there's not another character in this show. That you can point to and go, yeah, that's the, that's anything kind of sort of like Reek, you know, like he, he's doing something incredibly original and hard to achieve with Reek. So I wanted to give Alfie Allen some credit. I didn't go with him for this episode, but I know there are episodes in the future I will, which is why I was kind of comfortable not going with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to give him some credit and you and Rion, they are both. Like the fact that these two get to act off of each other for an extended period of time is really, really satisfying because they're both 
really, really fucking good at playing those roles. I wonder if, because uh, off mic, and I think it was on Twitter, you sent like that Charles Dance um, apologized right. to Peter Dinklage a lot during the filming just for how the grotesque things he had to say. I wonder if, like, what the situation was here um, with Ramsey and Reek, if they, like, they were friends after it was all said and done. They went out and had, like, drinks with each other. Or if, like, well, and after... that's what's fascinating is, again, I, I, I draw myself to, like, the sort of fantastical macabreness of it all for for them. You know, Tywin is insulting Tyrion's stature most of the time, uh... which is, like, real. That is what Peter Dinklage looks like, you know? So, like, off... When when the camera's shut, he's got to be like, dude, I am so fucking sorry. I don't, I, like, you know, uh, when it comes to this, it probably is easier to just, like, break it down immediately and be like, oh, damn, man, that was good. Good job. But, you know, like, because uh, they, yeah, they, they really they, just to get to go balls to the wall, mm-hmm. all out. It, because every scene, there's there's not a lot of subtlety to you and Rion and Alfie Allen's performances. It usually is really just, like, all in your face. You know exactly how everyone's feeling. They they both just get a chance to perform. And uh I have a feeling it would be easier to to cut and be like, oh man, that was dope. Good job. You know, Alfie Allen's not actually getting tortured or anything. He's not you know, he's a not a very important aspect of like yeah. Charles Dance actually insulting real life stuff that is yeah. that sticks with Peter Dinklage, but at the end of the day, Alfie Allen doesn't have his dick cut off and he's yeah. not actually getting tortured and like and, like shit, yeah. even his even his uh, physical acting, you know, when he's running through the woods and he's like limping and stuff on the foot where his toes have been cut off. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Wow. Yeah, you know, like his toes are there. He's he's just and it's a really, really well done. Like Alfie mm-hmm. Allen does a fantastic job as Theon for for the entire run of the show. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a few actors in this show who just. They don't get the credit they deserve, you know, and uh, one of them dies this week. You know, Jack Gleason, uh, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he he does fantastic as Joffrey, but because you don't like Joffrey, you don't think about him being good in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing goes for you and Rion as, as Ramsey. You know, he's fantastic. You don't really, you know, Theon gets his redemption eventually, but for several seasons, you just don't fucking like the guy. And you feel bad for him, but you, you, so that makes you just kind of forget about him. And, you know, there's just so many great actors in roles that you enjoy that you just go, okay, yeah, this guy's, this guy's awesome. She's awesome. He's awesome. You know, like, uh, there's, there's all sorts of stuff going there, but, uh, some, some really talented people get lost in the wood, lost in the weeds here. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm glad that week by week we get to shine a light on them because it's just, yeah, they, they deserve it. But uh, even even the episode very dominated by King's Landing, that's for sure. Um, but man, I, I the Dreadfort was a like almost a potential like for a favorite scene if if it just so happened that one of the most hateable characters didn't die. You know, in this exactly episode. pretty hard. It's like the Red Wedding. Um, it's like mm-hmm. I hate that it happened, but how how can I choose any other scene? Yeah, like that? it was just that good. But, yeah. Um, but like that's. The thing about the show, and I think on rewatch why it's that much better, is you know the big event that's coming, but everything else that's in the episode is like, oh yeah, like, I do, I I am kind of interested on this storyline, like, I do Mm want to see where it's going, and then it's like, well damn, this is just so well acted and so well done, like, 
I was just ready for Joffrey to, you know, turn purple, but but no, like I'm I'm all for the the dread fort scenes. Yeah, no, this was if there was another part of the episode that gave the purple wedding a run for its money, mm-hmm. this was it. Um mm. but nevertheless, Roos is very happy to have learned this information. He's also a little disappointed as Bran and Rickon are alive, but now that he knows they're alive, it's a situation he can handle. He asks Locke if he's ready for a hunt. And uh Reek suggests that Jon Snow might know where the uh where the kids are, either sheltering them or know where they've gone. Up at Castle Black. And while Ramsay advocates killing Jon as well, as you know, he's he's half Stark, he's a threat, you know. Mm-hmm. You already like just this little little seed for the rivalry to come. Ramsay and John, uh, fucking oh. epic storytelling there, man. Like, I cannot wait to get to season six. Yeah. I know that that's like the first season where they are kind of off book. Season um, six? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's, but you but... can tell that one had the most direct influence from George R.R. R. Martin after the break off from the books, you know, because it's still ridiculously high quality there's there's so much to look forward to in just the seasons to come man season four five and six is a fucking crazy run um seasons three four five six even further like that's we're in the the golden age of of thrones right now and it it's showing you know like there's there's not many storylines that you're like ah well i just want to get back to whatever else was going on it's every every single thing yeah, and and yeah, Ramsey. Um, I don't know. I get on like my first watch and other watches. I don't really care about him until like the battle of the you know whenever it starts to get really real. Um, yeah. I never really cared about him much much like at this stage, but I'm I'm like fully into his character right now. Like just mainly for his performance of it. Like yeah, just, you and Rian does a fantastic oh. job. Um, in this. Yeah, Joker-ish role, you know? He does play this just, like, he's very happy to cause people pain. Mm. Um, the sadistic fuck. But, uh, nevertheless, uh, yeah, Ramsey advocates the killing of John as well, uh, stating that the Northerners might eventually rally behind him, or he might simply seek revenge for the deaths of his family. Um, and Roos gives Ramsay orders as well. He says, you know what? You want to help? You take Theon and an army to moat Kaelin and reclaim the fortress from the Greyjoys. That is all that matters to me right now. So you go ahead and get on that, buddy. Uh, if he succeeds, Roos will consider uh, legitimizing him in the House Bolton. That's all he wanted to hear. You know, that's... Like, that's... All right, I'll do anything and everything now to get there. Because well, yeah. then he he has a chance at true power, you know? It's not even necessarily to feel a belonging, necessarily, even though, you know, it's almost impossible that he doesn't want to have that, you know? It, it probably, the the way they treat bastards in the North, he probably would just prefer to have the legitimacy of a family name behind him. But uh, if he does have a family name behind him, it makes it all the easier for him to become warden of the north that's a scary thought yeah that's just ah uh, well i mean he eventually is for a little bit right or like yep. yeah, yeah yeah i guess that does happen 
He uh, gets legitimized and. Uh, <laughs> what a scary time for the North. Um, it was. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's he's motivated. That's for he sure. Is. There's, there's, I mean, there's to motivate beautifully, like the, his story. Like there's so many angles and so many just lines of conflict um, in there that it, I don't know. Ramsey might be paying attention a little more whenever mm. he's on screen. I think. But yeah, next we're heading even further north, beyond the wall, where we follow the point of view of a panting figure traveling through a dark, snow-covered wood. And it kills a deer, and just as the figure makes its kill, it is revealed that the figure is Summer, and that Bran Stark has been warging into him. And uh, this warging is interrupted by Mira Reed, who says that Bran had been gone for hours. And Bran is not happy about having been snapped out snapped out of his trance you know he was eating mm-hmm. jojen's like hey man i know it felt like you were eating but i promise your body cannot be sustained off the food your wolf eats yeah um and is it Jojen, normal for to be oh. able to actually go that long like or because jojen kind of has some like he has seizures every now and then and stuff like that and it, like it really affects him you know he um, doesn't warg though he just has visions. He has the sight. Okay. So the only other warg I guess we have seen is... Is Aurel. Yeah, Aurel. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, I uh, and I guess they never really talked about yeah. how long he was able to warg. Right. Yeah, I don't know if this is normal practice or if because of his three-eyed raven potential he is... Like, no problem to him. Like, you know, it's just like... I, I can stay in whoever I want for as long as I want because... In the future, who knows how long he's just in anyone for and who, how, what he's controlling um, or what he's controlling right now. It's so – or before, you know. It's like – ah, it's, it's mind-breaking to think of um, mm. like that. But we do get um, a single Hodor here. Um, we do. It wakes him up. So I, I, I did like that. It the way it like said, looks like, like the deer says it. Yeah, like it was Hodor. a very interesting Hodor here. Um, I do I, think he truly heard Hodor say Hodor. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask. Like, do we count it? And I'm like, I, I think we do. I don't think he's it. just imagining a deer said Hodor. Yeah. I think Hodor yeah. is speaking, okay. and the vision that or the warging he was doing, he he just it just projected onto that. Because, like, obviously, whenever bran or someone else just says hodor we don't count that like it has right. to come from hodor himself and this it did come from the voice actor so i, I did i did feel feel as yeah i feel good about that I but feel yeah good about a, that. A de- i don't know maybe i'll i'll put in the sheet just uh the deer hodor yeah, deer hodor just so we remember that but yeah just a singular just one but but uh jojen and mira continue to caution bran that warging for so long is dangerous for reasons beyond the the lack of sustenance uh, even though it allows bran the mobility that he lost when he was injured uh he could become trapped forgetting his friends his family his home and even himself and if bran forgets himself they all lose everything mm. yeah um, i don't know very they, uh, jojen and is very interesting that like they just saw this vision and was like now i will stop at nothing you know i guess like if you did whatever he saw did we see like what he saw or is he just like kind of he's only kind of said what he saw and even then he didn't go into detail he's just kind of been like now i know 
I guess he, he was probably shown the the White Walker, and like, and somehow Brand being the the one to save everyone somehow. And and if he doesn't want the whole world to go, you know, he's like, well, if this is the only way, then yeah, I'll stop at nothing to to do this. Yeah, exactly. But my exactly. head the whole time is that this is just an extension of Brand himself, like getting him there. You yeah, know? imposing like, this unto like, Jojen. Yeah, Jojen like, go. Yeah, yeah. It's like a whole. Uh, I don't know. It's it's every time Brand pops up, my my mind always goes wild. That's for sure. Mm. Um, well, this one this one grants you some more credence than ever. You know, the group breaks camp and continues traveling through the forest, and they eventually come upon a weirwood tree where Bran has Hodor take him to the tree, and Bran touches it under the face carved into it and sees a vision. And several images rush into Bran's mind, including the image of all the ravens who were there at Sam and Gilly's uh, killing of the White Walkers, which I was like, oh, okay, there you go. There you go, Joey. I know you like that. That was nice nice to see. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The the first time we see the Night King, actually. It's true through some ice or something mm-hmm. but like when he popped up i was like oh i don't think we've seen him before quite yet um this vision yeah this vision i was i really liked just because you know i mean they yeah. obviously knew where the story was going the, and you know you see dragon flying over king's landing you know and it gives all the more credence of like a lot of people say Daenerys just lost it and everything, but like you're seeing it pretty early on, you know. There's, there's well, and you can't tell like every time they cut to the capital, you can't tell if it's snowing or if it's ash, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of like a it, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of fun speculation that came out of this vision specifically, but uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's all sorts of stuff, uh, humans and horses and uh, the fall that paralyzed him. He also sees the three-eyed yeah. raven taking flight, uh, sees his father sharpening ice, mm-hmm. then sees him in the black cells and then being led to his execution at the Red Keep. Um, he sees the Red Keep abandoned, covered in snow, and a shadow of a dragon flying over King's Landing. And then he also sees several images of different weirwood trees located on the top of an otherwise barren mm-hmm. mountain. And during the vision, a gravelly voice tells Bran to look for me beneath the tree. The ghost of Ned Stark. Still everywhere. You know, even in this vision. I think I was wondering why Ned was uh, in here. And I I, I was, it was maybe because of like the line Jojen was saying, like, you'll forget your family. You'll forget everything, you know. And this vision was kind of to remind Bran, like, oh yeah. Like, I'm, I know I have all these powers and everything is all, all good, but... I I do still have my family, and there is this threat that I don't quite know of what it is yet, but I do, I guess, need to save everybody, you know, and he comes out of it, and he's he's kind of his his stoic brand already, you know, like, he's already, like, the line delivery of, I know where we need to go, or like, I know where I need to go now, like, it was Mm -hmm. very, like, kind of getting to the three-eyed raven speak that he, you know, his just... I don't know what to call that. Like his monotone, monotone, yeah, very blatant, his unfeeling robot head ass for seasons was kind of the Uh, first time I I heard it here. Um, And yeah, this I love. I mean, I love all the vision stuff and 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 obviously everything. And it's it's crazy just thinking that in season four they're going to throw in a vision of stuff that doesn't even come into play until the very very end of the show. Um, And that's just I don't know, insane to me that like. Hmm. While all of this stuff is going on, you know, yeah, well, while it's, 
it's also vague enough mm. to they're like Daenerys will get to King's Landing. You know, or, it's is it yeah. does or she destroy it or does she it. you know, is she uh prevail in some glorious victory? You know, like it's it's just vague enough, but now that we do know the ending, we can project it onto it and be like, Oh man, this was in the works from the from the jump, you know, like that's Man. Yeah, this it would have been a blast to like cover this week by week when it came out. Like if I was oh. just like I mean what, this is like twenty fourteen right now. Or Gotta something. be, yeah. So like yeah, I was fourteen years old. There's yeah, no April way. April of twenty fourteen. There's there's no way I could cover it to the the level that we do other shows, but like just to be part of that hype and part of like the speculation and all of that. Like, well, I think uh, we got to experience a special time in mm. Thrones fandom the the periods between season six and seven and the periods between seven and eight. Like mm-hmm. when that show was because I think at after six they announced that it would be eight. They were like, "There's there's two more seasons and that's it." So like it became like. Oh shit! Okay, what a what's gonna fucking happen? You know, like uh, it, there there became an urgency that you had to like uh, yeah. Everyone was trying to figure it out, and everyone was putting their theories out there. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you you have George R. R. Martin and all them being like, yeah, I think one of you got it right. Like on one of those posts, I look at them every now and then. But yeah, but yeah everyone, I'll tell you which one. Yeah, it's like and and that just fuels the fire even more. You know, people. yeah. So they're like, all right, let's scour the internet for what might have been. You know, like, but he's got it. All right, we you know somebody's got it out there. We just got to find that person. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, that's that concludes the story north of the wall, and it was a nice little check in with Brand. But yeah, even so, you know, like uh, I mentioned that we only have four episode, four or six episodes, four or five episodes with Brand in both seasons four and six. Mm-hmm. And even so, it was two scenes in this one episode. Like he's not, he's hardly in this fucking episode. You know what I'm saying? So like uh, the the lack of time spent with Brand becomes very fascinating. And when you bring him up, he is very like that crucial, you know, and when he pops up, there's a lot of just future implication stuff that happens. And maybe that's why they only bring him up very selectively, um, because I don't know it, it other than than him just traveling north. Like if you're if there's any interesting story with him, it is his three eyed raven and, and his powers and everything. And that takes so much calculation and like you can't you can't really have them have a vision of i guess i don't know they could have a vision that's wrong you know and it doesn't all have to be right but if he is this omniscient or you know omnip just he's all knowing you know you can't really have it just be like oh well one of his visions was wrong and we're just leading you the wrong way you know Um, and that's why they have to keep it this vague it's so that they do have options and they don't give away everything to come so like uh I think this was a really good scene, you know, that was another one of those things where like in the building to the ending, I was like, damn, this episode's got some, some fucking memorable moments. There's, there's a lot of stuff here that I was like, this is because I remembered very distinctly the hunting for the girl through the woods mm. at the dread fort. I remembered, uh, Bronn training Jamie. I remembered this vision. Uh, but I did not know that that all came in the same episode here. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry if you can ever hear my dogs behind me. They're really going at it back there. Um, that's great. Like, I don't remember Braun training, training Jamie. I don't remember the hunt through the woods. Like, that's, I don't know, that's crazy that you can 
like remember. Well, no, and that's the thing is that like I didn't remember like there's just certain memorable things about those scenes. Like mm-hmm. the the hunt through the woods, it's one of those moments where I'm just like, my God, you're like really, really get you know again, you know Ramsey's fucked up. You know mm-hmm. that he's torturing Theon, but you also don't really give a shit about Theon. Then you see this girl who's very, very, very likely undeserving of this fate yeah. um, being hunted for sport. And you're like, okay, well, Ramsey's Ramsey's disgusting. Okay. Yep. That's uh, that's enough. Um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a fucking just a wild chain of events here, but we do then head to King's landing where over a meal, Jamie and Tyrion discuss Jamie's gilded steel hand. And he discloses to Tyrion that he can no longer fight. Uh, and Tyrion's like, what about your left? And he's like, well, I mean, like, I can do it, but all my instincts are wrong. Like, I'm just, I'm not the same. And Jamie is perturbed at the thought that people will find out that he can't fight. So Tyrion tells him he needs to train with his left hand with someone trustworthy in order to better protect the king. And uh, he's like, I have just the, the sword. I got just the guy for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when Jamie like knocks over the wine accidentally and Tyrion's like, it's just wine, man. No big deal. We're all good. Oh, like, yeah, such a, I don't know. Very, Tyrion is, I, character is the only thing where I don't know this episode. And I have mm-hmm. Tyrion slotted in there right now. Um, and it, it, it might, choice. might, it might just be for how bad I feel for him throughout the episode, but, but also moments like this where he's like actually being just very, very nice. Whenever... And, like, Whenever the whole play is being played out later on by the by the other dwarfs and Rob's head is about to come off and he like takes Sansa's hand and you're like, that's hey. a good that's a good dude, man. Like he's he's trying his best at the end of this. You know, he's like, give Podrick, give him give him 20 gold at the end of this play. Like exactly every, everything Tyrion does in this episode is, is kind of like, man, like I feel terrible for him. What's happening right now. But. I'm I'm also reminded of the fact that he's he's is one of the good ones in the show, you know, mm. like and I guess I don't know. And that's some- oh dude, that's what this this sequence of events serves to put on display is who the good people are. Yeah, yeah it's And true. I'm I'm excited to get to that part because yeah, I don't want to jump the gun. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited to get there though. But uh, later on, Jamie waits in a courtyard by the sea for his training partner that Tyrion has arranged. And it is Braun. Uh, Braun arrives, and interestingly enough, this is a diversion from the books. Um, the books, it was uh, the tongueless guy, um, who the king's headsman. Really? Uh, yes, he trained Jamie because he literally can't, can't speak to anybody. Can't talk. <laughs> wow, that, I guess that makes that makes literal sense. Yeah, but, like there's nobody to tell at that point. Yeah. But uh, there actually is kind of a sad backstory as to why that didn't happen. The actor uh, was diagnosed with cancer, and he was in he was in like chemotherapy. So like Man. they had to do something else. They didn't want to they didn't want to recast the role in case he recovered, and he wanted to return to the role. So they just like uh, just went ahead and were like, "Fuck it." It's a chance to give Bronn some more screen time, you know, like everybody loves Bronn. Let's give Bronn some more shit. So, uh, pretty big, pretty big change because he trains with Bronn for some time, you know, uh, Bronn eventually like, I mean, they're like in battle with each other mm -hmm. and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. He kind of shifts from being Tyrion's right hand man to Jamie's right hand man. I wonder Uh, if that was always in the cards as well, or if it was off of this, that they were like, well, 
They have like they do have great chemistry, uh, like bordering on the chemistry that Peter Dinklage and uh, and him have, even though like uh, that's going to be hard to top. They've got some incredible chemistry, but Nikolaj Kolster Waldau and him, they they do a good job. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, he emerges with two training swords and Jamie's like, I haven't used a fucking sparring sword since I was a child. And he's like, "Uh, yeah, but if you used an edged blade, I'll have to use an edged blade. And if I use an edged blade. I'll have no one left to pay me. Uh, Braun is so, oh God. Just and how about the fuck, like, this is what I love about this show, man. How about the location? Yeah. This is real. This is not, they're not uh, in the volume. This is a place they went to and shot this scene. Fucking glorious. Thank you for that. You know? Yeah. They do even bring attention to it. Yeah, they're like, wow, what, what a what a place this is here. And, and Bron- he's like, yeah, you know, this man, I fuck his wife here. Yeah. She's a screamer. They don't hear her. They won't hear us. Yeah. Like, boy, uh, I didn't, you're, I didn't even think about the actual location, but yeah, you're right. Like this is, that's gorgeous, a real place. Gorgeous place. Yeah. You know? And I'm, I'm so curious. I'm like, where is that specifically? Can I go there? And like, you clearly can. They, they, they filmed there, you know, like that's a, uh, just a gorgeous little location with the the sea at their side, you know, the the lapping of the waves that kind of covers the sounds coming from there is uh, it's a just a gorgeous place. But uh, in Croatia, um, yeah, that's I, where I'm gonna have where King's Landing is. Uh, Port of Tristano, T R S T E N O, Tristano. Yeah, that feels. Um, possibly, I guess maybe is the location of it. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah, No, like it's just beautiful. And I just thought that like, I wanted to draw attention to it as soon as I saw it. Cause Mm. I was like, I just appreciate the lengths this show went to, to make shit look good. Like scouting locations is a whole Mm. other aspect of filmmaking and creation and, on screen that you just don't really think about. And it's why the volume has become a more normal practice is because it prevents you from having to go like pay someone to go find, find us places Mm -hmm. and we'll see, you know, um, man, a controlled environment, but there's something just so raw and real about this setting that you're just like, this is fucking beautiful, man. There's nothing you can't, there's there's this thing with like the volume where you 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 look at it after you know it's the volume you can tell it's the volume yeah you know and, and it's not a bad thing i don't think you know i think that like it's it's a whole other ball game for the vfx artists to be able to create an environment like that that is so photorealistic and is so impressive mm-hmm. um but it it's still not the real thing Mm-mm. you yeah, know like, you can tell when it's the real thing like this even is sometimes they actually do go out to a location and they photo scan it all you know mm-hmm. to get the real location but you can still kind of tell like yeah it's in the volume like you don't i don't know this there's some camera shot or angles and shots that you just can't do in the mm-hmm. volume that you just can do in real life because and that's why when the volume works well, it's incredible it's it's incredibly effective you're like holy shit i would never have thought this but there aren't there are a lot of people who aren't meticulous enough with it and don't give it the time it deserves and to to make it look right. And uh, um, you don't that's one of the advantages to filming on location that Game of Thrones does. Mm-hmm. 
you don't have to think about all that. It's it's in camera, already beautiful as is, you know. Yep. I wonder the only problems might come from lighting or weather or something. How the sun is is like, oh well, it's raining. We don't really want this to be, you know, a scene while it's raining. Wouldn't really look as good. So they just gotta wait for weather. That's about it. Um but yeah, you're right. This huh. A great location. I Mm. yeah, thing I just don't think about while watching. But Yeah, no, it's gorgeous. But uh as they commence training, Braun uses his usual uh dirty tactics and Jamie's like Okay, some shit you're doing, buddy. That's not fair. And he's like, "Shit's never fair, man. You got to pick up your sword and just start fighting, man. Uh, fight dirtier. It's the only way you'll win with your left." And uh, mm-hmm. just watching them spar it out for a second, and like again, the physical acting and the blocking of the scene and the staging and stuff. Like Jamie looks unnatural with his left hand. Yeah. You know, and he's just got to, he's just got to do the things he's doing. And it's, it's really well done. But, uh, next up, we see Tyrion find Varys on his way to breakfast, uh, for the celebration on the day of Joffrey's wedding. And Varys divulges that Shay has been spotted and that his sister, Cersei, has been notified. And Varys says then that there is, uh, nothing he can do to protect Shay any longer in fear of Tywin Lannister or Cersei mm-hmm. finding out that he has been lying to them. Yeah, I really, really like that line from Varys where he was like, um, Tyrion was like, yeah, just come up with some creative lie. You know, you're you're good at, you know, that's it's what you do, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, I don't have a sellsword to defend me. I don't have all of this whatever. Um, All I have is my word. And my I don't have a family name, you know, like I'm only Mm -hmm. as good as the information I have. So I'll I'll omit the truth, but I won't lie. You know, like that's a Paris, another one of the good ones, you know, uh, I guess I would like him to lie for Tyrion here, but, but he's a, he's a very principled man. You we completely know? understand why he's not doing so. Yeah. yeah. No, not, not mad at him whatsoever. Uh, but Varys, yeah, he's, uh, just, I guess this, I don't know the count, like him just on the count, like he's probably my favorite council member that there mm-hmm. is like, uh, I don't know. I'm struggling to think of, of other people that that go above him but his story is no just, he's got at, at this state got he's it. gotta be well i mean Tyrion, master yeah. of coin true okay fair fair enough um but varus I, I think varus's story is just just the from nothing you know eventually gathering all of his secrets and making his way to where he is now um just very very small you know times that he's in the show he doesn't get a lot of a lot of time and stuff but but when he does i love him yeah he shines man sorry about the mic jostling around my dogs ran around and knocked it over and bucked it about but yeah no you're right conleth hill also does a fantastic job in that role um mm. he you know that whenever he like parts ways with him and he's like uh you need to do something about it and he does like the quick bow to try and like display put on a display for everyone around them that looks like he's being cordial but he's being like fucking do something about it father to make an idle threat sort of thing he's like do you know your who your father is all right i gotta go um but yeah Yeah, i don't know at his his imdb picture he's just full beard and hair yeah Uh, and it's very it's weird just looking at him like that yeah no i remember a bunch of stuff from the behind the scenes like featurettes and stuff in between like seasons where he like he just clean shaved 
at the beginning of every day. Wow. Uh, And then as soon as the season ended, he, as soon as filming wrapped, he'd grow it out again. And then he'd, and he'd grow it out again and then he'd shave it again. It was like, it's not, not his look. Apparently he doesn't, he doesn't like the pure hairless look that he was putting on, which can't blame him. Uh, Yeah. But, uh, we then head to the breakfast celebration itself where Mace Tyrell gifts Joffrey a magnificent golden chalice mm. with seven faces, one for each of the major houses in the Seven Kingdoms, and wishes him and his daughter, Marjorie, a long and happy marriage. And Joffrey politely accepts, clearly bored with how cordial everything is. He'd much prefer someone die. Um, mm. And lucky enough for him, someone does. Cersei... Then spots Shay and tells Tywin that uh, she, you know, that's her. That's that's Tyrion's whore. And he's like, have her sent to the Tower of the Hand. Uh, uh, yeah. Just knowing uh, how that goes, you're like, oh, man. Yeesh. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, don't, I, like, I don't know how else Tyrion could have handled it, you know, but I feel like something, like, if you just, I guess he has just tried to tell the truth before. And I guess, like, to him, it's like it's not getting through, so he has to try to go about it some other route. But I don't know. I feel like it could have just been handled some other way. Um, but, I mean, it, it does make sense. There's a whole lot of other obligations Tyrion has at the time. Um, and it just, the world isn't as simple, you know. It's very much easier to think about it all in hindsight and after the fact. Um, but, yeah, it's just, I don't know, one one story that always is just like, man, I wish that one could have worked out somehow. I don't know. Yeah, just. But I guess it, it's like the, the Red Wedding. You know, I, I wish Rob could have gone on and, and, and won and everything. But, hey. But would the show have been as good? I don't know. Yeah, you know, things, know. things work out the way they work out, and sometimes that makes you unhappy. But, man, it makes for good TV. Uh, mm. But, uh, yeah, after this, Tyrion overhears. And is like, oh, God. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Oh, damn. Uh, but he proceeds to approach Joffrey and Podrick Payne, Tyrion Squire, presents him with The Lives of Four Kings, mm. a book detailing the reigns of four kings by Grand Maester Keth. And Joffrey accepts the gifts, but his sincerity seems questionable. You know, he's, uh, you know, uh, after the war, we should all make time for wisdom. And Tyrion kind of looks at him puzzled and is like, the fuck are you plotting? You know, he's like, the fuck are you getting at? Mm. Um, but he, he's happy with the way this goes and he, he goes and sits down and then a, uh, a member of the King's Guard then presents a Valyrian steel sword. And Tywin tells him that it is one of two swords of its kind in the capital. And Joffrey pulls it out and is, uh, very excited. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Grand Maester Pycelle uh, states, like, be careful, nothing cuts like Valyrian steel. And Joffrey sees fit to test that theory. So he goes ahead and begins slashing Tyrion's book, mm-hmm. uh, despite its rarity. You know, books aren't mass printed nope. at this time. Nope, that is a one of one book, probably. One book exists yep. that depicts the reigns of these kings. It's like a, a th- I watched like a thing recently of how books were made and like the whole process of like the evolution of all that. 
And like a part that didn't really hit me is that like we have the internet, so like things are just kind of as long as there's power, information is forever almost, mm. you know, now. But back then it was like all information, like everything that we knew at the time was put in a book or on like a tablet or on something physical. Whatever you know? they could write on. Yeah, and and it, I love any time I'm kind of reminded of that. And like this was, I you know, book getting destroyed. I I didn't like that part, but it, it was like a a nice just kind of like, oh man, what a well, like, you, you watch Tyrion's face and the like the way it like physically pains him. Yeah. You know, it, it's not because it's not because Joffrey is destroying the book that he got him. Oh no, he didn't like my gift. It's because he treasures knowledge, yeah. and that book contained knowledge that every king in his words should possess yeah it's like Varys saying like i don't have my name i don't have all of that Tyrion is is kind of the same he does have the name but not really you know no one really looks at him like a lannister yeah no one treats him the same and all he has is his knowledge you know and his Mm -hmm. strategy and and that's what he's good at and it's like the the principle of wow joffrey didn't even have a thought of actually reading this you know like it could have done him good you know if he if he read it and now the book is gone there's so many layers of like of why he's he's pissed but it's not because of like yeah it's just the gift like he's used to joffrey bullying him oh yeah all the time or him just getting bullied in general so yeah it's it's not that it's it's the the knowledge the yeah, the loss of it but uh after he does this, after he sl- slashes it to bits, he then questions to the audience, uh, to the attendees, what what he should name it. And he hears several shouts, you know, uh, I can't remember a lot of the names, but one of them shouts out, Widow's Wail! And he's like, ah, yes, 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 Widow's Wail, I like that. Hmm. Every time I use it, it'll be like chopping off Ned Stark's head all over again. And, How uh... Just fucked up do you have to be like one he doesn't even name his own sword he's not even creative enough to do that he has to take it from the crowd whatever i thought he takes credit for everyone else's work he did not cut off ned stark's head nope uh and you know what's even worse is that i fully believe he believes he did you know because i guess he just yeah he's like he gave the order you know i guess and it's just at that point, he sees it as that's that's what he did. Anything that happens in the realm is his. Like the the, the battle that he fought, battle. Um, he was the one who brought Stannis to his knees, you know. And and it's that's just we obviously know, and everyone in the castle knows. But the people, um, if you, if they weren't there at the time to see Joffrey run away, it's only the military that really knows. But like. The if if Joffrey speaks it like this, then everyone else will think that it's also him, you know. So it's like Joffrey's just pure, just I don't know what to call it, just insanity of thinking that he's actually doing this. But it's also like he needs to to have the people think that he's the one doing all of this, mm. or else he's nothing. Like he's yeah. he doesn't have anything else. Um, but uh yeah, widow's whale, like just ha- like. How they can write every line that he says to just be so cruel. Like, everything that comes out of his mouth, it, it, even if it starts out as like, oh, wait, maybe he is turning a new leaf. And it, no, no, he's not. You know, there, there's there's zero redemption for this No, there's, there's nothing for him. Uh, not, not a long future for him. But uh, 
Yeah, after the breakfast, Tyrion is visited in his chambers by Shay, and he informs her that there, uh, there's a ship waiting for her bound for Pentos, and that their friendship is at an end. Mm. Realizing that Shay will defiantly refuse to flee in the face of danger, he concludes the only way to convince her to leave is to brutally reject her. Um, yeah. He tells her at an enormous pain to himself as well to her that she is only a whore and he cannot love her. Sansa is a suitable mother to his children, a suitable wife. Shay is not. So she must leave. Um, he can't love her. Um, just a hard scene to watch. Yeah. And, and she- again, like, a very singular scene. You know, like, uh, mm-hmm. I was watching it and I was like, we don't get, like, a lot of breakups in Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, it's this is just a... Usually it's by a death. Or, like, yeah. you know, that's usually Someone how... Someone dies and the relationship yeah. is over. Um, uh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, this, and, and tier, you know, like... Him, you're you're a whore, you know. Well, well you've been five hundred, five thousand, and Shay being like, well, well, you've obviously had your fair share, and he. I've like, enjoyed my time it. with all of them. You most of all, but ah, uh, like he's he's trying to like be nice, but he knows that he can't because that's his plan to get her to leave, and it's just ah, uh, like this. It was just really hard watching Tyrion. After, like, both of them, I guess, have to go through this. Um, and it's just always weird, just knowing where the story does go. Um, but like, uh, like in my, my head can, I, I wish Shay just would have gone on that ship, you know? And then maybe after the war was over Tyrion, he says, you know, maybe I'm not the best hand, you know, maybe you can, you pick your own hand. I'm, I'm, I'm off to see my, my lady in, in Pentos or wherever he, he says he's gonna, where the yeah. boat is going, but. No, I mean, shit, he ends up fleeing the country by the end of this season anyway. True. That is true. He does. Wow. He does go and join Daenerys over there, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Could have uh, could have just waited a little bit. Mm. Uh, but I guess she was discovered in Cersei and in. She needed uh, to go. I knew. So that that's the difference. Yeah. That time wasn't really on their side anymore. Uh, man. No. Yeah. But uh, it's it's no good. Uh, he he invites Bronn in. Tells her to escort her to her ship, and she slaps him and runs out. And then, uh, furious and brokenhearted, uh, when Tyrion later asks Bronn if she is gone, he confirms that she boarded the ship. Nothing, nothing beyond that. She boarded the ship. And, uh, when Tyrion asks if he saw it sail away, sail away, uh, Bronn assures him that no one has been following him while escorting her, that she is gone, and no one knows about it except the two of them and Varys. And he then advises Tyrion to go and drink until it feels like he did the right thing. Uh, yeah, that's... You know, Bronn is a... Bronn's a, yeah. a contender this week, you he know, for character. Really well, and that, now that we're talking about him, because he was like... Um, he threw in there, like, I know you want to, like, still think that she's here a little bit. Or, you know, I, I, I know that you don't want to believe that she's actually gone, but she is, you know, go... Go drink and forget about it, you know, and we know that it come you know, comes back a little bit. Um, that it's not, not truly over quite yet. But uh no, Braun, yeah, I don't know. Training Jamie, this little convo he has with Tyrion here, like and and yeah, I don't know. Braun is he's always a real one. Um 
just that real life person inserted into the show. Like he, he just seems like he's he could fit in today's world. Um, maybe a little misogynistic and and you know sexist and, and stuff like that. But but other than that, Bron uh, Bron's a pretty chill guy. No, he's a good dude, you know, uh, ultimately. I know that for the time, I mean, in modern day, no, but yeah. for the for the show, yeah. good man, yeah. relatively. Yeah. Uh, it's always a, a weird thing. He's you got have an to, asterisk next yeah. to the good man. I got every, every character in the show kind of does. Yeah, a little bit. But uh, after that, we head to Joffrey and Marjorie's wedding ceremony taking place in the Great Sept of Baylor. Um, which will eventually be both of their resting places, uh, conducted by the High Septon, and uh, they are uh, they are wed in front of gods and men. At his wedding feast, King Joffrey speaks to the crowd about contemplating history. Uh, but just just the all everything that happens. This is a very reductive breakdown here. Um, like at the wedding, seeing all the faces, seeing everybody watch them unite in marriage and Sansa being like, we officially have a new and mm-hmm. Tyrion saying better her than you, you know, like, uh, Oh yeah. Being queen is not worth being married to that piece of shit. Nope. No, no, no. And that, that's why they house Tyrell was like, as soon as this wedding is official, we are getting rid of Joffrey. You know, it's like, yeah, we will oh, kill him. Yeah, I don't want Marjorie to be married to Joffrey at all, but we want her to be queen. Um, and that's how they went about that. But, but yeah, it was like seeing, like cutting into the crowd, seeing Sansa and Tyrion. Like Sansa and Tyrion actually had some, like it was, it was finally like warming up to each other. I yeah, guess. Sansa officially gets that Tyrion means well for her. You know, yeah. like uh, she's always she's always known that he did, but. She couldn't. She could hardly look at him because he wasn't Lannister. I think she's starting to realize that he's he's not. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not like them. He's he he doesn't even like them. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I, I I appreciate. It's kind of the she's kind of having a similar arc with Tyrion. What Arya is with the Hound at this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of being like, oh shit. You know what? You're not as you're not as bad as I thought. I kind of fuck with you, dog. You know, like it's a. And even more sadly, like at the reception, it's kind of more of like seeing him just get bullied in front of mm-hmm. everyone. And she's just like, oh, man, like I realizing that, like, he's kind of in a cage himself. You know, yeah, he's put through the same things at the hands of uh, Joffrey that she was, you know, the same the same ridicule, the same bullying, not exactly the same ways. Hers is a little bit more scarring, I would imagine, uh, being a young girl as um, well. You know, that. That I mean, there's Sansa is definitely taking the cake here. Um, oh yeah, if if, if, if we're if we're discussing the trauma Olympics, yeah. but uh, uh, Sansa's well, Sansa's taking the gold. Yeah, you she know? does see it though in Tyrion, and it, it's at like whenever I guess I'm I'm jumping the gun here. I, I, I'm going to mention one little thing of the reception, and then I'm just going to go crazy. No, so, I mean like we're we're at the reception now, so you're good. Okay. But yeah, like even the whenever the cup is knocked over and kicked under the table, and she's the one to actually pick it up for him and and hand it to yeah. him. Yeah, kind of like a, a nice, just no words were spoken, but a nice, just kind of like a solidarity, I, I, you know, yeah. like uh oh, like kind of like a I see, you know, because she hasn't really been there beyond at his own what at their own three does to Tyrion, 
you know, like whenever mm. and Tyrion was drunk enough to fight back that day, whenever he was like, uh, you know, I'll, I can't remember the exact yeah. threat he made, but he made a threat about cutting off his dick essentially. And, uh, not, yeah. Yeah. And Sansa was like, Oh, okay. goddamn," You know, like, uh, there's kind of a, there, there's a mutual respect more than anything, I think. And, uh, Mm-hmm. But uh as as the festivities, you know, commence, there's uh there's several people come and wish them well in their endeavors and everything, and you know, several people go and have conversations about uh all all over the place. It's a it's a really wonderful plethora of faces coming together for uh one yeah. of the first times and kind of seeing them interact you know we see jamie and loris talk we see oberon really seductively try to hit on loris and then also tell off tywin and cersei to their faces uh, um oh uh, yeah now this a royal wedding at you know we got everything you could have wanted here you know the the ending is fantastic and great and i think that's what everyone remembers but having all the characters here and I don't know, having these interactions that we probably won't get again, you know, a lot of, a lot of, nope. um, like, at all. So, yeah, you're right. This, it's very tainted by Joffrey's death, but everything that comes before is, is very nice. Like, even Brienne, you know, coming yeah. and talking. Like, I'm trying to think of who else um, showed up, but, but Oberyn was, was a really, a nice, Oh, uh, I, I, there's something about Oberyn that I can't resist picking every time he does anything. Uh, he also got my line this week. He's my favorite character and my favorite line over in Martell. Um, and it was just simply for his gall in the face of, uh, Tywin and Cersei and also the steadfastest in like what's like right he's righteous self-righteous and he's right to be you know he is a good person compared to them when he says people everywhere have their differences in some places the high barn frown upon the those of low birth and other places the rape and murder of women and children is considered distasteful yeah You're, you know uh, we were talking about braun being that real life person inserted into the show i think oberon is is probably maybe even closer to that you know like he's the he's the most modern man yeah um, and dorn i guess is just kind of maybe just that for it's the a story. fucking utopia yeah, considered to, yeah. compared to everywhere else yeah it's it's and you wouldn't want to be anywhere other than dorn um but no i i i see and I didn't even think about picking Oberyn for the character, but you're like, he did tell off. I don't know, kind of. Nobody does that. Yeah, no. He's, no he's... Nobody looks Tywin Lannister and Cersei Lannister in the eye and tells them, y'all are fucked up. You know, like he, nobody does that. And he did that. And I just, I fucking loved it. Um, And plus I have a bias. I have a definite bias towards Pedro Pascal. So there's a good chance that in the seven episodes he's a part of, he might go seven for seven. I don't know yet. We'll see. Um, No problem. (laughs) I I don't see a problem in that because we only get him for, for this season. Yeah, Um, man. And he's fucking good while he's in it. But yeah, I just, and then on the flip side, this is where everything comes in. Like the wedding, basically the entire wedding is my scene. Because I know it's like split up into little sections. I don't really know how to consider where the scene breaks are. It kind of feels like one giant scene. Um, But everything comes into play here. I got Oberyn for my character in line. This scene is my favorite scene. And then my favorite performance is Lena Headey. 
as, uh, as Cersei Lannister. Uh, from yeah. the jump of everything that pops off at this at this wedding and every single scene she's been in so far, kind of like whenever Joffrey, you know, presents the the tell the retelling of the War of the Five Kings, and she's kind of sitting there with like a smile on her face the whole time, and then whenever Brienne comes up and bows and she's like, Did you just bow? Yeah. You know, and she like can't she can't contain her self. Talk about like Ramsey and how he's kind of like has that Joker smile, you know, and like he he loves all the sick twisted stuff. Cersei, like she was doing a lot of that this episode. Yeah. Especially like when Joffrey was like, or Marjorie, you know, Marjorie the whole time is just trying to be like, all right, Joffrey, you're fucking our wedding up. Let me just try to distract everyone at any chance. Oh, the pie. Oh, maybe we make our announcement now, you know, and she's like, dear, come here. You know, yeah, like uh, yeah, return like, to me, please. Yeah. We're, and then she's like, "Yeah, we're 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 gonna give all the food, all the leftovers to the poorest of the poor." And I, yeah, 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 yeah. But then you get Cersei going off to Maester Pycelle. The leftovers the will go to the dogs. You're just like, oh my god, this woman, you know, and and also Maester Pycelle trying to get you know in the pants of whoever. That, yeah, know, just some young girl. And, and at least Cersei stopped that from happening. Yeah, she was like, oh, and your gnarled fingers wrapping around that girl's thigh. That's 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 but right. Then, but then seeing, like, just her after that interaction, like, she's walking away, I think, and, and Tywin's like, why are, why are you so happy? And you know, I don't, maybe I don't even want to ask. And she's just like, small victories, you know, like, yeah. small thing. It's like, oh, my God, you are twisted. Like, she is... She is evil. Like Yeah, evil. and that's the thing is that like she's so evil and petty that even this it, it is inherently evil to take food out of the mouths of the hungry mm. and give it to dogs who will be well fed anyway. Mm-hmm. That's true. But the yeah. reason isn't because she hates poor people. Nope. The reason is because she wants to feel like she has the power to do that. Yeah. Not, not because she's like, oh, I just, I just don't like them. Don't, they don't deserve, like, they don't, they don't need that. And that's part of it, obviously, but. Like the wedding to her is only her losing her queen regent Mm -hmm. title. Like that's, that's like pretty much like it's her son getting married and everything, but like, and she doesn't want it to happen in the first place because she loses her over That's and pokes fun at her for that. Right, yeah. Right. Former. Former Queen, Queen Regent, right? Oh, uh, like, this oh, is Lord Han Tywin Lannister and Lady late? Cersei. Yeah, that was oh man, Oberyn is such a good pick here. He I fucking love that guy. Happen. Okay. Ooh, I don't know. I might have to because Tyrion, I think it was more of like a just out of like sadness that I picked Tyrion. Yeah. It's like a pity pick. And I don't know. I we don't get Pedro for long and he really right. He let him know. I I think we can give him both the character. I, I want him <laughs> numbers, you know. Two for two on the character sweeps yeah, over I mean, in Martell. You're right. Um, I mean, come on. Yeah, that that I forgot about the former Queen Regent. Yeah, like, man. He's he, like <laughs> the only person who's even come close to poking fun at Tywin and Cersei the way that he does is Olena. Mm. But Olena doesn't do it in a way that's like I'm here to kill you. Yeah. You know, Oberyn's like basically very veiled, threatening them. He's yeah. like, uh, 
your line, like rape and, and, you know, like that's, that's how, that's something that's very distasteful. And he's, he's like, that's what happened. You know, your daughter, mm-hmm. luckily she's over in Dorne right now. You know, he's yeah. like, luckily she's luckily there. your daughter's in one of the places where the latter is the case. Yeah. You know, and, uh, poking at like what happened, you know, to his family. And he's like, yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. what I'm here to do. And, you know, eventually we get, he's very clear in his, um, why he's there, you know, while he's fighting the mountain, you know, and, uh, it's, it's eventually his demise. Um, but, but no, you're, man, I, I don't know. I, I think I was distracted by everything else that was going on this episode, but Oberyn, no, I'm, I'm definitely comfortable switching from, from Tyrion over to him because he, he does deserve it here for this episode. Um, yeah, no, that's, uh, there's just so many more opportunities I'll get to pick Tyrion and stuff. I was like, while yeah. Oberyn's here, I'm gonna make sure I make it known how much I love that guy. But, yeah. but, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll then get to, uh, well, you know, it doesn't go over this. I wanna, I wanna touch on a few things that happen here. The, the conversation between Jamie and Loris, you know, uh, yes. Yeah, you, yeah. You, so, you know, if you marry her, she'll kill you in your sleep, right? Mm. And if you do manage to put a child in her belly before, before then, then uh, they'll die too. Like, uh, man. I mean, even before that, he kind of started out friendly. And they had, like, mm-hmm. kind of like a laughing moment, you know, almost. And then he, he turned it on a dime and was like, yeah, no, this isn't happening. You know, like, not going to You will happen. not marry her. Whatever. Um, Neither will and- you. Yeah, he th- Jamie thinks he won there, and then he that that last little line that yeah. you know hit tap on the shoulder like yeah neither will he. he they see you know he it's very obvious, um, but I don't know that man that they didn't include that in the breakdown because that's a oh, that's no, like no, a, no, 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 no. <laughs> fucking dogs, man just want to play that's all they know <laughs> no he's he's digging under stuff and grabbing eat, eating things he shouldn't be eating oscar will eat anything he's a fucking garbage disposal if, if he if he can chew it up and swallow it he will do that yeah i mean dogs are dog you know we we talk maybe like, dogging. yeah they don't they don't have that concept of tomorrow i guess yeah, maybe it's like they're dogging. just living for the day and yeah he's kind of brand you know it, they've working into into a wolf just he's hungry he's eating he that's that's what they want to do mm. but, <laughs> but yeah I, I can't believe they didn't put that in the breakdown though between jamie and loris um in there yeah no i was I, i'm kind of surprised but uh then you also get the conversation between cersei and brienne you know the mirroring kind of them being possessive of each other yeah um, the, they both talk to each other's other lover or like per that yeah. kind of person right now yeah i no, i didn't even realize that um but yeah because is it does brian come up first or does jamie talk to loris first I jamie forget. talks to loris first uh and it might be paced in a way that brianne talks like uh presents her good tidings it cuts over to jamie and loris it cuts mm-hmm. back to yeah. Brienne and Cersei talking to each other and you know he's like uh, and the way she's like he saved my lives more time he saved my life more times than I can count she's like oh really I haven't I haven't heard that story hmm. really yeah that's interesting to me um and I, I like forget what leads up to the moment but eventually she's just like you love him 
you know, like obviously you, you love him and Brienne, she doesn't have anything, you know, it's pure silence. Like how, how do you tell Cersei, someone who's crazy like that, like, yeah, I do love your brother, which you love as well. And you don't want anyone to get with either, even though she has like said to Jamie that she's moved on, which is interesting, you know, like last episode you get, um, Cersei being like, and Jamie being like, yeah, it was too long. You know, like it, things have happened, things have changed, uh, and it seems that Cersei's kind of moved on a little bit. But here, she's still very possessive, you know, and very yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that while she might not love him the same way she once did, or think of him the same way she once did, she doesn't want him to move on. Yeah, you know, he's moved from being her priority to a fallback. Hmm. You know, he's yeah. like. He's just he, he's hers forever. Even if she might not be his, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this very. I, I don't know. You're. Right. I, I can't believe I didn't notice the like the duality that was going on there, like Jamie and Loris and and Cersei and Brienne here. Um, but yeah, that I don't know how I didn't just put that together that they're both just talking to the the opposition. You know, basically here. Um. But man, yeah, that, I don't know, Cersei is very interesting in that fact. Like, it's, she kind of, I guess she's, she's all just very power hungry and she likes to, to hold the power wherever she can. Um, and this is just another way of, of her showing that. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that, that was left out here. Um. I don't know. I was reading through the just the breakdown, and it's it is kind of crazy. They just jump into like the the straight play to the retelling of the and, and yeah, like they do kind of leave a, a lot of stuff kind of out there. Which is there's way too much stuff that happens there that you, you, you to, to not touch on. You know the the way that Cersei and Brienne, you know that that conversation where you know one thing that does feel a little unearned to me. Is that I knew I, I remember knowing Brienne was in love with Jamie. I don't think they've done a lot to show us that. Um, you know, this it, like whenever she says you love him though, and there's like just this silence. I don't know. I haven't really gotten that off of Brienne. I I knew that she like uh hmm. she'd only recently grown to respect him and stuff. Um and realize that he does keep his oaths, you know, it's just that he, he was forced to break the biggest oath he's ever broken. Um, yeah, I so guess like, uh, I guess I could project it onto what's happened, but like, there isn't, there hasn't really been much. You're right. Um, like the scene in the bathtub, whenever he does tell her her whole story, um, or Jamie tells, you know, it all. I think there was, there was a moment there where Brienne was like, okay, like I, I see. Like, I respect this guy yeah. at the very least. But it wasn't, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to... And that's why I'm like, maybe the way that I'm going to headcanon this is that this is kind of a dawning of realization for her. Mm. Like, she it's didn't realize she loved Jamie until yeah. this was said. Okay. That's, um. Yeah, because she does kind of... I thought it was more of like, she obviously just can't tell Cersei. Um, or because she knows that she loves Jamie and like, hi, how are you going to tell Cersei? Like, yeah, no, I do love your brother. And who knows if she's just going to die right then and there. I don't I'd be scared of Cersei. 
Um, that's just kind of how I was taking it, but maybe it is more of like a, oh, like he did save me a couple times, like in, and yeah, like maybe I, I do have some feelings for him. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, you're kind of right. There wasn't ever like a, a love, um, inclination that was, that Brienne has shown. It's really only been Jamie, um, kind of showing that towards Brienne. Um. Yeah, no, it's it's it is interesting, but uh, I I, en- I enjoyed this little conversation and this uh, this parting of ways, like because Cersei and Brienne, I don't think they ever yeah. speak to each other again. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think that Jamie and Loras have many interactions after this. Uh, it's just a bizarre, like a bizarre coming together here, but. Uh, yeah, I just watched her reaction again, and I think you're you're more kind of you might be more spot on of that it's like a re- like realizing for herself in the moment, uh, sort of thing. Because um, I guess up until this point, they've just been through one crazy thing to the next. They haven't really had the time just to to really sit down and and think about it. You know, I think the only I guess the only time was whenever um, they were in house bolt. You know, in wherever in the dreadfort or wherever and like jamie was eating trying to cut up his steak whatever or whatever and brian just dabs it for him you know and lets him cut it up like never like a a cute like oh like you two like each other you know like or i don't know not not many of those moments at all Uh, no yeah it is it is just i think she just kind of it all hits her at once and she's like oh shit maybe i do um but uh next up joffrey speaks to the crowd about history and out of a large golden lion, five dwarves ride out representing Joffrey, Renly Baratheon, Stannis Baratheon, Rob Stark, and Balon Greyjoy, each of the five kings in the war of the five kings. And they all put on a performance, jousting and fighting, making crude sexual gestures, and Joffrey all the while laughing his ass off, his brother Tommen and Cersei laughing along with them. Uh, but the, the pans to Oberyn and to Varys and to Tyrion and Sansa and all this like they were like these are the good people you know these these are the people who aren't sheep who aren't just like oh yes the king thinks it's funny I must laugh they all just sit there kind of in disgust and I was and even more reason for me to go with Prince Oberyn uh being being one of those characters there but uh oh like Joffrey, obviously, and Cersei kind of having a good time there. But it is, it is, we do see Tom in here, um, kind of, he was like laughing, but he didn't know. Like he was kind of just like seeing Joffrey laugh, and he was like, oh, maybe it, like I should. Yeah, he's, he's a like small, that. small yeah. child, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of like whatever's funny. You know, like if you're eight years old, this might be objectively funny, you know? I mean, yeah, really. Um, like or 10 or whatever the fuck. Out. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, like, they're, they're, I mean, yeah, if you're a kid, this is probably just funny no matter what, and you don't But really even know Tywin, him. you know, he's not one of the good guys. He is, he's like, this is beneath you. It's not like a, it's not like he's like, this is wrong. It's just that he's like, y'all, this is, what are we even fucking doing here? It's kind of like his attitude about it. Um. And Loris leaves in anger after watching the crude depiction of his deceased lover, Renly, riding a mount resembling Loris, by the way. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, was that? Was the oh the God. little puppet that Renly was riding around on? No, yeah, no, okay. And uh, Sansa looks on in obvious grief when the dwarf playing her brother Rob is killed after having his wolf's head knocked off and the way Tyrion takes her hand there and just kind of braces her for it. And Joffrey expresses his delight with the play and prepares to give the champion dwarf a purse, but then mockingly suggests, you know, is there any other challengers to my rule, uncle? Perhaps they have an extra costume. And Tyrion cleverly counters this jay by suggesting that Joffrey should fight instead and show the same bravery he displayed at the Battle of Blackwater, cautioning his nephew to be careful, as the champion dwarf is clearly mad with lust, and it would be a tragedy for the king to lose his virtue hours before his wedding night. Tyrion is playing it very safe, but also mm. at the same time, anyone He's who's pushing in, it. He's pushing in, the boundary. Yeah, who's who's in the know is like, okay, you're. this is very... Passive aggressive, you know, yeah. remarks that you're that you're making here, but he, I mean, he he realized like this is the royal wedding, you know, this isn't his wedding, and he's not drunk and and crazy, like he can't can't just make threats to the king, and he has to be very careful. Um, but yeah, just just seeing him how he like just takes all of it, you know, and he's like, he wants, you know, he wants to just, I mean, who doesn't want to just go off and yell? at Joffrey at any any chance you get. Mm. Uh, but just how he, he take, takes all of it in and is like, well, you know, the wine gets poured on his head and he's like, ah, well, a shame that it's spilled, you know. Or yeah. Like, it's like he a takes fine everything. Vintage. Yeah, twists it into like, ah, oh, no, it's okay. It's fine. Everything's okay. Yeah, uh, and, he, he, you know, Joffrey continues. He's like, you know what? You'll be my, you'll be my cup bearer. And he's like, you do me a great honor. Mm. It's not meant to be an honor. And everyone is like silent now. A, fi- was- a fine vintage, a shame yeah. it spilled. It like, didn't spill. Yeah. Like people yeah. were kind of laughing with Joffrey at some points, but now like everyone is silent. Everyone is yeah. just like, wow, like this is This is our king. Like that holy we're shit. At here. Like, yeah, like I bet I bet people were like I I don't know, whenever he died, people were probably like, Oh, he had it coming to him, you know, yeah. and like this is well, I I kind of wanted that to happen after seeing what what we just saw because because there it, it was very interesting watching it like hearing the crowd um, playing. The crowd kind of laughed and, whenever yeah. Tyrion was like, uh, "It would be a shame for the king to yeah. lose his virtue and hours before his wedding night." And people like laugh in the crowd, and he's like enraged and humiliated. He, he's been you know he's he's not as smart as Tyrion. He has no way to fire back beyond being like, "Nuh-uh." You know, like that's that's all Joffrey can do. Um, I know you are, but so, what am I? Like just the yeah, you know, like yeah. just when you have nothing. Your mom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He he's just doing whatever he can because he's he's the king and he knows he can do whatever he wants. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, the crowd was very interesting seeing how they were on Tyrion's side, and you know, but also having to kind of laugh because it's you, he's the king, and like they have to be on Joffrey's side a little bit because. You know, they they have to, but then eventually it gets to the point where they're like, okay, no, like I, I'm not, I'm not with this anymore. Like we were saying how they cut to the faces of like the the good people and showing how they were like, you know, not having it, but then it cuts to everyone and everyone's just like, okay, like, let's. Well, and they also cut whenever 
Tyrion is being smarter than Joffrey and outwitting him at every turn. The way they cut to Oberyn and Varys, and they have like they like can't help but flash like a slight smile. They're like, "Oh, this is fucking good," you know. They're like, "Oh, fuck yeah!" Um, I, I love that shit. And uh, he then informs Tyrion that he's going to be his cupbearer, and Tyrion approaches Joffrey, who then purposely drops the goblet. And he, he has to go to try and pick it up. And as he does attempt to pick it up, he kicks it under the table and forces Tyrion to crawl under the table to find it. Um, Sansa instead hands the goblet to Tyrion and he fills it with wine and hands it back to Joffrey. All the while, I'd been watching her necklace since the very beginning of the wedding. Yeah. That shit is already missing from it the get go. When, like, I was trying to, was it one of the, like, blue? One of the gems. There's seven gems, and the top left one is missing. Okay, I her, thought it was on one of the middle, and it would be very obvious. Um, no, it's like, just okay, one, it's just one of the random ones. Okay. And uh, it's missing from the time they arrive at the ceremony. It's never there. It, it's never taken off of her. That might be um, why. Maybe I was looking for the moment that it I was. I was off of her okay yeah and then i noticed that one was already missing and i was like oh shit it's already it's already happened now i have no idea i have the feeling it was whenever joffrey hands his wine off to marjorie and marjorie sets it between her and olena yeah that's when it had to be you know but whenever Tyrion gets the cup and then hands it back to him it shows olena like knowing what's about to happen you Mm -hmm. know like the cup that's picked it like hmm yeah, I yeah so it's it's a really interesting tension building and trying to piece together exactly what happened here but then uh you know the king demands that Tyrion kneel before him and Tyrion refuses to kneel and uh Marjorie interrupts the tense moment that everyone is witnessing look the pie um and uh, Joffrey hands the goblet to Marjorie, who then places it at the edge of the table near her grandmother, Olena. And Joffrey draws his new sword and cuts into the pie as several white doves fly out. And Sansa and Tyrion are like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here, man. Let's just, this is enough. We should go. And while Marjorie serves Joffrey a piece of pie, Joffrey commands Tyrion to serve him wine to wash it down. And oh, yeah. sorry, I, I I was just rewatching it. The mo I think you literally see Olena take it. Actually, oh no, kidding! Like she she's kind of brushing Sansa's hair a little bit, and then you yeah, at the, yeah, like reach back, and you don't really see her fully take it. Like it is kind of slide of hand. Like she's doing. I don't know. I can't really tell if it's her actually taking it off. Or right. And th- that was the moment where I think it would have happened, though. I remember like whenever she talks to her at the beginning and she's just kind of stroking her hair and being real touchy, like uh, had to have been there. Oh, no. Yeah. No, you do. You do kind of see it. She does grab it and then you see a little tug. Um, Yeah. Yeah. She. Yep. Right there. Wow. Yeah. I didn't notice that at all. So Olena straight up is the one who poisons the drink as well, which yeah. is. Another layer of badass. She got, she knew, like, I guess, like, why have it be in a necklace to Sansa? You know, like, is it, like. It frames Sansa. Like, is it, do they actually find that little piece? 
like they actually do okay i i just didn't remember that part then because i was like i was trying to be like what you know what's the if you're hiding it you're just wanting the poison to get there and that's like the hard part you know i'm like what's what's the whole necklace deal for but no yeah i'm pretty sure there might even be the necklace might even not make it away with her you know at the beginning of next week it might even like be ripped off and dropped at the scene of the crime sort of thing by Dantos to kind of further frame Sansa for the crime. Uh, um, hmm. Yeah. I, I guess I just didn't remember that the, so I remember Tyrion was framed, you know, or I mean, just they, they, they were like supposed the to conspire together as husband yeah. and wife. Um, ah, okay. This, yeah. Okay, now it's okay. Yeah, I I just didn't remember all the specifics of how the framing and and of it was all done. Conveniently, she flees immediately. You know. Uh, uh, yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah like they... Littlefinger and Olena thought this shit through. They did a good job at framing Tyrion and Sansa for this. Um, or at the very least, Sansa. Tyrion's just kind of a victim by association. Um, yeah. Like it just kind of happened to be that way because Joffrey, you know points to him as he's dying and he's, he's he points to him as he's dying yeah. they could not have planned for joffrey to dub Tyrion his cupbearer that's true yeah like you know hmm so i guess the plan i think it was just sansa yeah just because that that does make the most sense of like motive everything yeah. you know, like everything the necklace now that but I'm then married. a bunch of stuff happens right in a row that gives Tyrion motive to kill his nephew, you know, very conveniently. It all happens one after another in front of a ton of witnesses yeah. that watch him fill his cup with wine and watch him be belittled by the king. And, yeah, uh, like, I've never thought about all these little details of it because I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, Joffrey, drink the cup. Like, I'm just yeah. waiting for him to, like, take the sip and then him to, to die. And I'm never, I'm never, like, actually thinking of all the little things that had to happen to get it there. Ah, oh, man, but that tension building here, whenever uh, Tyrion hands the goblet to Joffrey and he quickly drinks all of it, and then Joffrey tries to speak, but he begins coughing, and every, they all, like, they kind of pan to the other other people's faces, and they're just kind of waiting for him to get it out, and then uh, he grabs his throat and continues coughing, and the way Tyrion, Cersei, and Tywin all just kind of, like, like, their eyes widen, and they're like, Oh my God, something's fucking happening. And he, he turns to Marjorie with his hand on his throat and is like, I, I, you know, he's, and Olena expl- exclaims, the boy is choking. Somebody help, you fools, help your king. Yeah. Mar- uh, Olena yells, um, <laughs> knowing full well that she just poisoned this man. Yeah. Uh, well, playing the part very well. Yes. Uh, and Joffrey collapses face down and begins vomiting and convulsing and is visibly in excruciating pain yeah love it uh but then uh (laughs) you know uh, the camera work again to like show the back of his head as he's like convulsing like waiting to show you that it's happening he's not just sick he's dead and he will be soon you know um dantos rushes over and take Sansa away. Uh, Cersei rushes in and turns Joffrey over onto his back. Jamie being the first one to have reached him in the first place. And when he turns over and you see his purple face and blood gushing from his nose and his mouth, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he raises an accusatory finger in the direction of Tyrion, who happens to be examining the wine goblet uh, through which Joffrey was poisoned. Mm. And it's and... not made clear if Joffrey is actually accusing Tyrion or merely the wine, you know? Like, Tyrion happens to be holding the wine. I, I, Joffrey's almost certainly accusing Tyrion of it. Um, but I, I'd say... Yeah. Pro- yeah, it's it's his last thing that he's doing, you know. Yeah, it's all he'll be known for, I guess, uh, from yep. here on out, which is fantastic. Yep. Uh, and Joffrey, his eyes fill up with blood. It runs from his nose. He stops convulsing, and Bing Bong, the king is dead. And Cersei yep. sobs with grief, and orders the king's guard to seize him. Mm. Like I, I do like. You know, Lena Headey, given the performance here, makes a whole lot of, you know, like, my son. You know, like, the, the mm. line she has to deliver here. Like, very, very, very good. Um, I, I think I'm going out of left field here. Um, and it's the last time we can ever give him a performance nod. And I think it, it's He deserves fair. it, though. He, uh, you know, and maybe not just for this one episode, but kind An of... honorary character not or performance I guess not. he did kind of have to convulse and do all of that too you know act like he was dying and throwing up and do all that stuff like i thought about i thought about giving it to him as well um, but yeah i think it's you know not obviously not because i like the character whatsoever but but he does that that's the whole i guess the point is that we do yeah. hate him that much and it comes from the performance you know obviously the writing it's you know he's written to to be that way but but I think without, I don't know, just he's so snobby about it. Like, he, he's so perfect for the role. Um, and and I just, before, I couldn't give him one. You know, I think I think it is fair it's enough. honorary. To, yeah, to kind so. of give him a, a thank, thankfully he's dead, um, and that we won't have to even think about he giving was him good. He was good in that role, though, man. He was, yeah. you know. Like, um, you know if you receive real-life death threats. Like, this dude received real life hate because of this role and it's just you know i maybe it's like people just they don't think that it's an actor and like they don't get the no it's it's people being absolute fucking morons um or maybe there is something or people are like well you can't act that way if it's not coming from somewhere you know maybe it's coming from maybe he's like that in real life but no he's he's probably just a normal just every you know normal guy He's just an actor. That's his job. Just a, he's, now he's a now he's a teacher and he's married and yeah, wow, yeah. So no longer an actor. This stopped that. Yeah, at least he. I don't know. He got his fame. Maybe not the way he wanted to. Um, but one of the most memorable roles in the history of television, though. I'll tell you that. That's true. Um, so yeah, Jack true. Gleason getting that nod from you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I thought about giving it to him as well, but Lena Headey. I thought put on a performance that I just couldn't deny. Which is um, true. Yeah. Like, and I had, I had a certain level of confidence that you would go with him and I wouldn't have to. So I was like, all right, cool. Okay, good. I'm glad you, I'm glad you did. Cause if not, I was going to have to mention him and give him a nice little send off because he, he was so good, man. He was, he was in this role and, uh, uh, he was a terrible, terrible fucking kid, but a fantastic actor, man. It's, uh, Oh yeah. And, Oh man, I didn't even think. I thought I already said my line, but I didn't. It was another moment that uh it was whenever it was from the ceremony to the reception as everyone's kind of walking. 
and Tywin and Olena have like a a walk together. Ah. Uh, and Olena just I forgot, you know, maybe Tywin's just pissed at how much it's all costing and everything and and whatever. And Olena just says, "You ought to try enjoying something before you die. It might you might find it suits you." You know, like yeah. I I just, I love Olena and everything she says and like even before like her husband comes up like to try to be like, hey, like, hey, what's going on? She's like, I'm talking with Tywin Lannister right now. Excuse us. And like just continues. That's her, uh, that's her son. Wait, what? Yeah, she's Marjorie's grandma. And oh Mace Tyrell. Is her, oh my God. Yeah, I just, oh, okay. Now, okay, yeah. I just thought that that was her, her husband for some reason. No, no. yeah. And I completely, I, I've, I've had the same thing happen to me, but I wanted oh, to make sure, sure to clarify that's, it for everyone else. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Because Joffrey's like, well, maybe I call you father now. You know, after he gives yeah. him the gift or whatever. Um, that's right. Um, but I don't know. I just Olena's presence on on screen. She's always always Olena. And I, I uh, just any time I guess Tyrion can be told off. I, I or Tywin can be told off. I like that. Um, and it was just a I don't know a line of I just I liked whenever it 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 was said. Just that I think it was like the delivery of it as well it was kind of like. A line that I just had that gut feeling of like, yeah, you know that that I don't know I like that. But I, I another thing I think the the recap left out again. Yeah, all these little character. There's uh, little character moments that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even really remember that, but that is a goodie. You know, that is a uh, it's a fantastic yeah, they're, moment. They're walking. I think like he he is pissed of how much it's costing. You know, Linda's like, well, I'm paying my share, obviously. So how can be mad? He's like, well, should we? Should we stuff a gold rose in every single ham or like food? I don't know, whatever. He's like, so mm-hmm. should we just keep going or whatever? Uh, it's just the the back and forth they have. Um, like not many people can stand up to Olena, but Tywin, like they they do go back and he forth. He holds his own. Yeah, there's yeah. a there, and Charles, like again, just all these fantastic actors getting a chance to perform off one another. You know, Lena Headey and Pedro Pascal at one point, Charles Dance and Diana Rigg in that scene. Yeah. You know, uh, Peter Dinklage and Nikolaj Colster Waldau, who we know are brothers who love each other, but they don't get to. I, was this their first scene in seasons since season one in this episode? Like them sitting when he spills the wine and all yeah. that? Yeah. I think definitely the first scene where you get a brotherly ass. Yeah. Know, anything brotherly. Um, I mean, the, shit. Uh, yeah. Like, I can't. Because he was. Before he was. Jamie was taken. Or, like, and he was prisoner like what moments did they really have before it other than season one like yeah i don't not much I think there was really anything um, yeah i feel like this is the first time they'd acted off of each other in some time and yeah. you know you and rion and alfie allen i spoke to that a while like mm-hmm. it's just wonderful to see these actors in their element and sometimes interacting with someone they'll never act with again and that's like it's really really compelling so i I love this episode, man. It's uh, and it was only fifty three minutes. It was short. It was quick. Like we got to the wedding, and I was like, "Holy shit, we're already here!" I also didn't realize that it was twenty minutes of the episode. So like, thirty minutes went to three other places, and then the last twenty minutes was was King's Landing, and the West even had King's Landing stuff spliced into that first thirty minutes. But it was incredibly well paced. It was a very good looking episode, you know. I thought that this one did a uh, did a really good job there. Um, it was fantastically performed, and the tension building at the end is incredibly well written. 
Um, mm. So, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a damn good one here in a, in an episode two of a season. Can confidently say it's the best episode two of any season in this show. That's fair. Yeah, that, that's nothing's really gonna gonna top this one. Um, I'm trying to think. Let's see. Episode two next season, the House of Black and White. Is that a Chuck and Hagar? And, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, episode two of season six is just Home. Um, I don't know what that's referring to. Season seven, Stormborn. Season eight, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah, that season eight might be the only one that gives it a run for its money. But even so, because that's like the night before. Yeah, it's the, not really the Battle of Winterfell. Two of six. You know, so it's more of like an episode three and four. Yeah, right, you know? right. So it's, um, but no, this this is, if I had to pick an episode two out this of, This is the know, episode two I'm picking. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. It, and it's, it's fucking good, man. So let's, let's go ahead and throw it an enjoyment rating. Is this, is this amongst the creme de la crop? Is this all the way up there because Joffrey dies? Is that? That does heighten it quite a lot. Um, and, and. It doesn't, I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt. No, and I mean, and and that like that's obviously the the big thing, big takeaway. But then I think what we were, you know, just all the character moments, just two characters that got to act off each other, Braun and Jamie. Like I don't know, like little little moments that I I forgot about. Um, but whenever they pop back up, I was like, ah, oh, man, that's I don't know, really nice to see. Uh, so I, and and you're right, it was very short, paced very well. Um, like I remember at the end, there was like still a lot of time left on the. Uh, like Max, like the player, and I mm. think the directors like the the little yeah, spot a little behind the scenes stuff a little longer this time uh, for for what they had to do. I don't know, but I was um, when it ended, I was just like, man, yeah, that that was very like a very easily like very boom. easy and, and boom, yeah, there there you go. Um, I don't know, I I don't know. Giving it a ten feels kind of weird. Um, it, maybe. Um, I mean, I was I was comfortable with the ten, but uh, I my gut took me to a nine seven five. Like, like there more. there is something that like as much as I love to see what happens in this episode, there is something that could have elevated it that I could have enjoyed more. You know, I don't I don't cry at any given point, and that's typically the hallmark of a ten. Is like, oh, it made me tear up, it made me cry, and. uh the tears of joy that well in my eyes yeah. when Joffrey yeah. dies isn't exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. But I, I think, I think nine, seven, five is more fair for this one. I, I was, I was almost like coming into it. I'm like, yeah, 10 Joffrey's dying. You know, before I even watched the episode, I'm like, yeah, this one, I'm just going to love no matter what. Um, but I do think they're, they're, you're right there. If there's not that like emotional, like, if it, yeah, that that's what really brings it to a 10 or like a, just an insane, like, battle or I, I don't know something of the sort like something there there's maybe this is a 10 in any other show but for for game of thrones like mm. it, uh, we just know that there's they can do more in that that ep- episodes yeah. hit harder um no yeah, and I mean, this is a, this is a pretty nearly perfect episode too you know like uh mm. as far as all things are considered there that the the writing was incredible the performances were incredible and i it was a great looking episode but again like in comparison to where the show eventually goes in terms of visuals it's like ah how how could i possibly tell you this is as good as it gets it 
and how good it has looked. You know, this was like even season one, episode nine, Baylor. I remember being like, wow, this is a visually brilliant episode. And this one had really great editing and uh, camera placement choices. Mm-hmm. You know, but it wasn't like uh it wasn't like, oh, this is beautiful to look at. It was like, oh, yeah. that was a smart way to handle it more so than that was a beautiful way to handle it, which is uh it, it is impressive in its own right, to be sure. But. uh Yeah, I don't know. Um I'd say I mean, perf- like it we were talking about all the performances that were in this episode. And I mean, everyone was was doing very well here i'd say like i think the only gripe here is like visually because written i think it's written beautiful like the the tension that builds you know of mm. of the wedding and everything like that but even the the dreadfort scene i think was written very well like the the reveal of of truly showing how reek was like I don't know, completely not theon anymore like the razor's right in his hand and he can Lice's throat right there. Like, there's even tension building there in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bran, you know, just for all the, the future stuff. But yeah, yeah, this one was written by George R.R. R. Martin. You know, there's a reason it does it does yeah. come together in a very satisfying way, you know. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, last episode, we gave an 8.75, and I'm, I'm above. I oh, surely. I'm, I'm above a 9. Um um, I'm trying to think of like the closest comparison to this episode, and I don't, I don't know if there really is one. Um, mm. You know, the red wedding. I, mean, I guess that would. I think that uh, would be um, simply because it's this massive moment mm. that changes the show completely. Yeah, Joffrey has been the king for two and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. You know. Since season one, Joffrey has sat the throne. Here we are in season four and he's gone. You know, yeah. like that's things are about to shift. And that's uh Stannis the only or I guess Greyjoy. Yeah, there's there's Yeah, Stannis uh, Balon. Yeah, Stannis uh, yeah, Balon. Renly, Joffrey, and Rob are dead. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, this I think maybe the Red Wedding is the closest comparison. Uh, we gave that one a nine seven five critically. Um, I can't quite go there. Um, the tension yeah. building in that is even more impressive. Um, the score yeah. in that is even more impressive. Um, not kind a like huge a, step down though. Nine two five. Yeah, yeah. nine two five was where I was kind of, kind of Aaron. And if we do give it that, the episode is a nine four two. Um, officially nine, gone. You know, with, percent the genre this this season um and critical having that that extra waiting there which is nice but yeah it puts let's see where that puts it around other episodes uh, like because the reigns of castamere the red wedding was a nine eight three overall uh, but that is with a 10 in the genre as well um so you kind of have to look at all the the previous ratings with a little grain of salt but um this re- this received a 9.7 on IMDb. I mean I think a lot of that is uh people really really just like Joffrey dying. Yeah. Uh, and and um a lot of it's just people like not actually thinking of how the episode was made in total and they're just like uh, oh yeah Joffrey's dead. Well and 
the Red uh, Wedding for comparison, nine point nine. Okay, um, so a little, yeah, a little, the little step down, even with all of the, um, because even though the Red Wedding is terrible and everyone hates it, everyone sees how well it was made, and like, yeah, everyone, exactly. no one is going to be like, no, that's a one episode, you know, one. Out yeah, of and it's uh, on IMDb. This is tied for the best episode of the season with episode six and eight. And then there's two 9.6s, which are the penultimate episode and the finale. So on IMDb, we've got two 9.6s and three 9.7s, which IMDb is notoriously difficult to please as far as the user ratings. So like, uh, that's nuts. Yeah, we are in a good fucking season. Yeah, this is a good time to be watching Game of Thrones. That's for sure. Yeah, nine. So ninety ninety four percent overall uh, for for our pennyometer. Um, pennyometer. Yeah, penny. Pen, I don't uh, name penny. Lumometer. Some something better. I can feel it come up some better than that. But yeah, I think. And, and yeah, we've never the, officially given that a name. We ought to. We ought to work on that. We ought to workshop that. But it is. I think a lot more like having the the genre kind of gone and, and enveloping the the new rating. You know, just the weight, critical weight. Um, I do like like you know last episode around a ninety eighty nine, and and this one like almost a half point above that. You know, that, that makes sense. You know, mm. I, I think this is it's working out better here. I think in a lot. Um, a lot more meaningful of a rating than just kind of slapping a 10 in the genre. Cause we know, we know from here on out it's uh they're not really going to falter in that category. Um, no. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's been fucking good, man. And I'm so glad we're rewatching it every week. I rewatch it. And I'm like, God, I love that. We're doing this. This makes me so fucking happy every single week, man. And uh, it's such a good show. It is so fucking good. But I do believe that with that, we will conclude this episode of Winter is Blooming and return next week for season four, episode three. Um, and if I had to guess, it'll be another good one. Um, so with that, if you would head to patreon.com slash penny bloom pod, where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content, including all sorts of written content, uh, uh, book reviews, movie reviews, comic book reviews, and the like. It's been so much fun getting back into writing, and I'm doing so over there. Going to be posting up a short story soon that I that I wrote um, just a couple weeks back, and have been refining slowly and slowly over the course of the last few weeks. I'm very excited to put that out. First work of fiction in years, and it got me rolling. Now I'm I, I elevated from a a short story that was ten pages and. Now I'm already 24 pages into what I think is going to be a fucking novel. So like I'm uh mm-hmm. very excited, very excited to be writing again, but uh and that'll be that'll be over there at patreon.com/pennybloompod. Um we didn't have a question of the day today and that's because our question of the day will be aired out over on Patreon. Uh we're we're going to be putting together our very own small council for uh for the for uh fiction at large, you know, a king or queen, hand of the king or queen, master of war, master of coin, master of ships, master of laws, uh lord commander of the king's guard, lord commander of the uh city watch and a grand maester. And uh we're going to be doing all that over on Patreon and it's going to be from all 
all sects of fiction anywhere anywhere you want to take from you can put it in there the only stipulation is that game of thrones cannot be involved there and uh this is this was an idea that was being floated about by uh by someone I follow on Twitter and is rather large in the, in the star Wars Twitter community, which was mm-hmm. cool to see him uh, talking some game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. Mace, uh, Windu mm-hmm. uh, Mace, a H Windu. Good, good follow. Strongly recommend the guy, a very, very talented content creator, but uh, yeah, it was a great idea posed by him. And I'm very excited to execute over there at patreoncom slash penny bloom pod. If you would head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. Remember to leave a five star rate and review wherever you might be listening. And if you are a movie fan, continue joining us for our director spotlight. We've been discussing Wes Anderson for a couple weeks now in anticipation of Asteroid City. We've already discussed uh, Royal Tenenbaums, The Life Aquatic, The Darjeeling Limited, and. Uh, uh, a couple, a couple more. Moonrise Kingdom, the Grand Budapest Hotel. I'm missing one. What am I missing? French Dispatch. Please. We we have discussed that, but it's not out yet. Um, the let's see. The Life Aquatic, Darjeeling Limited, Fantastic, Fantastic Mr. Fox. There That's the other one. That's what I'm missing. So we've discussed six. Wes Anderson films. We've got two more coming this week. This Wednesday will bring the likes of Isle of Dogs, and I'm very excited for that one. That's a very fun viewing. Uh, and this Friday will bring you the French Dispatch. Next week we're going to be doing continuing it with Rushmore, and then Wes Anderson's first film ever, his first feature film, in uh, Bottle Rocket. And that episode will be joined by my father once again for the first time since Howard the Duck. I'm very excited for that and for you all to hear that. So yeah, Wes Anderson, everything right now. And I'm I'm very excited for you guys to see that mm. and hear those. And then we'll be discussing Asteroid City the week after that. And then we'll be moving on to the next director. And uh, I'm very excited for that as well. But uh, yeah, with that, I was Colton Robertson and I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And remember, peace, love, and bloom, and a toast to the proud Lannister children, the dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness.